I just hung up the phone. What's the best news I can have? You want a four-week vacation to someplace else? The best news I can have for me. You got invited to Hillary Clinton's fundraising breakfast. I got invited to Hillary Clinton's fundraising breakfast. <laughs> me, the first lady, scrambled eggs, lively conversation. Turns out it wasn't that hard. You know what you have to do? Write a check for $1,000. That's right. But not everyone was given that opportunity. I was asked. They asked you for $1,000 and you gave it to them. That's incredible, Danny. I was picked, Casey. I was identified. Yes, it's called being a mark. I gladly gave my money to a good fight. Danny, Isaac's got enough to deal with from the network right now without you getting into a good fight. This isn't about politics. This is about me. It's Hillary Rodham of Chicago. A connection. There will be a connection? I believe there will be. This really isn't political, is it? No, sir, it is not. You have a crush on Hillary Clinton. I carry a torch for her, yes. You're hot for Mrs. Clinton. Well, I, who isn't? But in my case, it's more than physical, it's cerebral. No doubt about it. I think we need to get you a CAT scan instead. I would like to have an intelligent, high-minded, right-thinking, socially progressive, impressively pragmatic conversation with Hillary Clinton. Tomorrow morning, I shall. Shall you? Yes. And she will say, my goodness, that Dan Rydell is such a bright young boy. So much more than sports scores and highlights. I think I'll make him my gentleman friend. Fantastic and five, that episode is great in about five different ways, actually. It's appropriate today, A, because we're talking a little bit about Hillary Clinton uh, later with Lisa Desjardins, uh, and also because this weekend I will be seeing the new Aaron Sorkin film of Long Last, Charlie Wilson's War. I think I'm going to try to get that scene uh, tomorrow afternoon so that I can be propagandized uh, by the uh, uh, the hey hey and the whatnot. All right, there you go. That's a little bit of Sports Night. Here. That's a fantastic. If you've never seen Sports Night, really, I strongly encourage you to do so. Uh, it's a staggeringly great show. Uh, it's the show that Aaron Sorkin did uh, after A Few Good Men, but before The West Wing. Uh, canceled unfairly, as they all are. Canceled by the same network that canceled my so-called life. Canceled by the same network that canceled... What else did they... ABC canceled something else right around that same time and infuriated me. Well, whatever. Anyway, it's a great show. Uh, that's from an episode entitled When Something Wicked This Way Comes. It's notable because of two other things. A, it has a long soliloquy toward the end uh, about Philo Farnsworth, the, uh, the creator of the television, uh, which is obviously an early obsession of Aaron Sorkin's, which he then used in the Farnsworth invention, his you know stage play that just came out earlier this year. Uh, secondly, because that, I realize I'm talking about a show that like nine people in the country ever saw. But that episode of Sports Night is great because it introduces uh, a new character, uh, that of the ratings consultant. And I have to tell you, it is a dead-on, 100% accurate depiction. Anybody who works in television or radio and who's ever had a consultant, you watch Sports Night, and when they introduce William H. Macy uh, as Sam Donovan, the ratings consultant, I mean, it actually, it made me, I'm not going to say it, it made me uneasy. It did make me uneasy, actually. It just it made me shift uncomfortably on my sofa when I was watching that because he is exactly like every consultant I have ever had. So just a dead-on, 100% completely accurate portrayal of that uh, that personality. So there you go, sports night. 
Uh, let's see. It's uh, five minutes and 38 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of uh, December, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, if you would like to join us today, and why wouldn't you, my chums, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Our telephone number once again is 503 733 2970, the aforementioned Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about what uh, whatever might be on your mind uh, today. It is 503-733-2970. Uh, here's what's... Yes? What just happened? So everybody's everybody's I giggling. I didn't silence my phone. I left it next to Tim. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, you left your cell phone next to Tim and it went off? And it's from yes. Scott Daly saying, Aaron is in SoCal. Yeah, he's at so Disneyland. Be in today. All right, so it'll be Scott Daly. This new contraption. So here's what just happened. I just saw Sarah leap out of her chair and Tim about fall on the floor just now. <laughs> so the cell phone was I left by Tim and it startled Tim. I didn't even hear it because I'm deaf. But all right. Everybody in the studio just went... Kaflui there for a second. Uh, yeah, Aaron is in Disneyland, at Disneyland, or in Disneyland, uh, with uh, with his lovely wife. So uh, where they go, I'm not trying to knock Aaron. It's just a little strange. They go there once a year for a week. I don't really, I mean, I, there, there truly is somebody for everybody. That's all I'm going to say. Just the idea of going once a year to Disneyland and spending six days inside the Magic Kingdom is just enough to induce thoughts of suicide. So... You know, but not for everybody, apparently. So, there's really only some... How many times can you go on Splash Mountain? For the love of Christ. Well, whatever. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, Aaron is at, uh, at Disneyland. Disneyland or Disney World? Southern California, Disneyland. Yeah, Disneyland. So, he's in Anaheim. It's not a world, it's just a land. Yeah, a really, really white land. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Scott Daly will be in later uh, from Film People Radio. We've got Lisa Desjardins joining us today. Steve Kastenbaum, who apparently is not going to Pakistan. Yesterday, he was going to Pakistan. Today, not going to Pakistan. Today, he's going nowhere. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that, and I guess we'll try not to bring it up, because I'm guessing it's probably a little bit of a sore spot. And he doesn't seem like he's in the greatest mood today. <laughs> <laughs> Go home. You're going to be going to Pakistan. It's the greatest assignment of your journalistic life. Uh, no. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we'll do the uh, top five today. We have uh, another exciting installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. It's a little bit of a... It's a little bit of an encore because we played it yet. Did you hear it yesterday, Tim? Were you here when we played the Lacey Peterson song? Were you, were you already no. gone? No. I oh, have been back in the newsroom. We played it's a late it. Christmas present for you. Really, it is. We played it at about 2.45 yesterday. And I think you were all preparing more news, as is your want. Um, it's this song called Remembering Lacey uh, that was given to me. And it really is unbelievably... And it's the best kind of bad in that it was done completely straight-faced. There's just no, no winking, no nodding, no smiling. There's no nudging of the ribs. I mean, this it clearly was created by someone convinced that they were in the thrall of genius. Um, if only they were able to sing or write. Uh, so we have another installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. We'll talk about Tim Riley's best Christmas gift ever. We meant to get to that yesterday, and then we didn't. Uh, so we'll do that today. 
Uh, as we said earlier, Scott Daly will be in uh, today to uh, talk about films of all varieties. And hey, hey, uh, we have another uh, copy of Kissology Volume Three. We will endeavor to give away today. And uh, anyway, a bunch of other crap. Um, and uh, I got a pile of stuff over here to get to. But before we do uh, any of that, what the hell was I just gonna say? I was just gonna tease something, and now it's. Now I can't even remember what it was. Oh, Glorious Bastard of the Year. Uh, so coming up Monday, Monday the 31st, New Year's Eve, uh, we will be announcing the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Year. Now, there's still oh, so time. we're all going to be here. Yes, on Monday we will. This is the second day in a row we've been together. So Monday will be the third? The third, yes. And then, and then not so much Tuesday, but then Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, but Monday, yeah, Monday the 31st, we will be here doing our program as we uh, head towards New Year's Eve. Uh, and we're going to be announcing the Glorious Bastard of the Year. Now, you got a couple days left to sign up. I think you can actually sign up until Sunday night, you know, Monday morning at midnight. I think up until Monday you'll be eligible. Uh, so you go to 970.am to become a Glorious Bastard. Now, even if you just sign up today, people have asked if you needed to be signed up earlier in the year. No. All you have to do is to be a Glorious Bastard by Monday to be eligible to be the Glorious Bastard of the Year. So sign up today. Uh, you're as good as gold. You just go to somebody who signed up six months ago. Uh, and I saw some of the prizes, and then I'm mad. Let me tell you what a righteous collection of prizes we absolutely have. It's such a radio thing to be bitter about something you're giving away. Look at some great prize and not think to yourself, my, how we will be able to favor the audience with these gifts. No, Sarah's just all angry about some of that. Are well, we talking about what's in there? I'm not getting in me either. Um, yeah. Well, well what, you already own the thing that I want. Well, here's what we got. It's Susan Reynolds and I, uh, we were putting together, in fact, she may have sent it to me. I'll have to check. We were putting together a grand tally of all of the... Um, uh, all all of the prizes for the Glorious Bastard of the Year, and I don't think I have the list in front of me. Um, she's sort of assembling it. Uh, we, we were compiling. We all were making our individual lists of prizes, and we merged them all into one. I know I can list these things off the top of my head. Furniture from EcoPDX, which is beautiful. It's like a bureau. It's like a kind of a small chest of drawers kind of a thing. Uh, that's upstairs right now. Um, so we've got furniture from EcoPDX. We have the Zeppelin Mothership Collection. The Zeppelin Song Remains the Same Collection. Kissology Volume 3. Jackass 2.5. The Godfather Box Set. That's the thing that Sarah was coveting this morning. I know. The Godfather Box Set. Uh, some George Carlin CDs, I believe. Um, got, uh, got, uh, at least one PlayStation game. Um, it's a bunch of like a bunch of clothing. We got some giveaways from Fox Sports Radio that we're going to be giving away as well. I mean, it's just it's a massive pile of stuff. It really is. It's it really is pretty. This is uh, the Borat Special Edition DVD. It, it, it is it's pretty stunning. So it's a huge, massive pile of things we're giving away, and that's Monday. We'll be announcing the glorious bastard of the year. So uh, get V to nine seventy dot AM and uh, and sign up now. Really, the Godfather box set alone. Uh, and the furniture from EcoPDX. That really is, I mean, you know, you can't take 30 seconds to sign up for that, you know. If you're somehow above that, you ought not be taking up space on the planet. That's all I'm saying. All right. Um, before we do anything else, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday the 28th. Benazir Buto died of a skull fracture from ducking into her car as the shots went off, and she was not shot or hit by a shrapnel. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. That's a sad, ironic death. It is, yeah. Uh, one of America's biggest music stores is closing its doors. A Portland company will make biodegradable coffins. Well, celebrate Kwanzaa. <laughs> the cast of Full House goes to Disneyland. Oh, maybe they're there right now. We've got the, uh, who's, who's down there? Aaron Durant. Maybe who's at Disneyland? The cast of Full House. Why? 
Just for fun. Okay. Also, uh, San Francisco Zoo says, yes, the tiger wall is too low. Okay. Uh, I think we could have sussed that out by the fact that the tiger killed a guy. And... Well, whatever. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, this is, is so far the current list of glorious bastard of the year prizes. The Godfather DVD boxed set. It's the same one I own. Uh, it is utterly fantastic. It's all three films. Uh, and then they all have commentary, and then there's a fourth disc that is nothing but documentary and supplemental features. It, and it comes in the big slipcase. It's beautiful. A Godfather, a four-disc DVD box set. Uh, EcoPDX, their uh, bureau. The uh, Fox Sport. It, I guess, here's the thing. I'm not going to pretend to have more sports knowledge than I do, but I guess if you watch uh, Fox, you know, like if you watch football and whatnot, apparently there's some Fox Sports robot that... I don't know, runs up and down the sidelines and throws a thing and jumps through a hoop or whatever. Becca, Becca from KUFO. Oh, I know what that big, thing is. Yeah, she's a big football fan, and she said apparently it's everywhere. So we've got a bunch of big, like, Fox Sports robot-like action figures that are fully articulated. I've got one of their mugs, and it's very durable. Yes. So uh, the Godfather DVD box set, some furniture from EcoPDX, the Fox Sports robot action figure, uh, Slash's autobiography, which is just called Slash, uh, Jackass 2.5 on DVD, uh, some George Carlin uh, clothing, some AM970 clothing, Kissology Volume 3, Borat on DVD, Farsa the Penguins on DVD, the Celebrity Bull Riding Challenge on DVD, the Led Zeppelin Mothership Collection, the Led Zeppelin Song Remains the Same Collection, NBA 2K for PlayStation 2, um, and last but not least, and I know that no one can see this, but I'm really picking it up just so Sarah can see it. Is this something else I'm going to want? No, no, I can answer that with a big, profound, hearty no. What would a prize pack be without, especially from a radio station, without something completely useless? A 3XL t-shirt? Close. I mean, you got part of it right. A baseball cap from a truck stop. See, you, you you both have got a handle on exactly the type of things that sort of, you know what it is? It's like, um... You always hear that study, uh, you know, when you die, you have 12 pounds of compacted matter inside your lower colon or whatever. You know, the, 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 just like stuff that never, that you never seem to get rid of. It just sort Only of accumulates. Radio stations are exactly the same way. Where radio stations just accumulate little bits of prize-like detritus that you can never seem to give away. And you try to throw them away or give them to somebody, and then they just reappear back in your office. This is just stuff that you just cannot seem to give away, and, and no matter, you know, and it's just always there in the prize closet. And it's always something like that, Tim. It's always like, it's like an Ishtar baseball cap or something, you know, or swag from a movie that nobody cares about. Like, I got, I, they sent me a bunch of stuff, the studio sent me a bunch of stuff for the Dewey Cox movie, which America, like... Universally looked at it and just said, nah. Uh, but, and whenever they send me stuff from the studio, whenever a movie, uh, a movie, you know, like a box of movie swag comes my way, I always kind of start rooting for the film because I want the swag I have to sort of be cooler, you know? Because it's like, what's the point of having something like movie swag in your office for something nobody cares about? So, anyway, case in point. In addition Is it to an OMSI gift pack where the um, 3D glasses no. don't work? I have a Ben Affleck shirt, and I wear it when I'm doing my laundry. What is it? I can't remember one of his movies. I don't remember which one. Uh, is, it, is it Jersey Girl? Is it Reindeer Games? Nope. Is it Geely? It that would be. almost be cool. If I had a Geely shirt, I would wear that. I would completely wear a Geely shirt around. just And I'd be sort of defiant about it. You know? Is that a Geely shirt? Yeah! Uh, okay, here's what we got. In addition to all the fantastic things... For the Glorious Bastard of the Year, we have this horrible thing. All right. Uh, Sarah's the only person in this room who's seen this film. I'm going to show you the back first. 
<laughs> oh, no. Fred Claus. The back just says Fred Claus. I want you to see the front now. I don't want to see the front. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to look at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. my God. Please to describe the front of the shirt. No, I will never speak about the shirt. Come on. Describable. No, no, no. For the listeners who maybe haven't signed up to be Glorious Bastards yet. In vivid word pictures. <laughs> Tell them what they might win, Sarah. It's a giant bloated Vince Vaughn with... A bunch of elves on his head. And it's clearly airbrushed. I was just going to say, and the whole thing is faded and airbrushed looking. It's, it's almost, Nobody has a face like that. It almost looks like it's a uh, like it's a painting. It almost doesn't even look like it's a photograph. He has a face like a 13-year-old boy. In that <laughs> yeah, I used to find Vince Vaughn attractive. Not so much. One of those 13-year-old boys whose head is full of water. Mm-hmm. It's all swollen. Um, anyway, but here's the thing. Feel the T-shirt. It's actually... The T-shirt is made of something. Oh, that's nice. See, it's a nice... Susan made this point. I know we're talking about a T-shirt that no one can see or feel on the air, but Susan made this point that the T-shirt feels really nice. It's made out of some kind of brushed cotton. It feels really soft. Like, it's the sort of shirt that you wish it didn't look like ass because you'd like to wear it around. Like lanolin? Yes. It's a T-shirt made of lanolin. <laughs> it's a T-shirt made of lotion. It's like one of those that's Kleenex... Weird. It's like one of those lotion-infused Kleenex tissues, but it's a shirt... You have a shirt that's infused with lotion. Um, so the shirt feels great, looks terrible. So you know what this is? This is a sleeping shirt. That's exactly what that is. That's a shirt you wear to bed. Uh, anyway, so in addition to all the good stuff, there'll be that shirt which no one could possibly want, but which you will receive if you are the glorious bastard of the year. That's just how much we care. All right. Um, hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm fantastic. I drank a lot last night. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are you gonna we do? had a girls' night, and like girls' nights never start well when you start drinking wine, huh. and then decide to go out and drink vodka. Of course, always mix your liquors, Sarah. Yeah. Was it red wine? No, it was white. Okay, well, that's something at least. But it was it was Foxhorn. Oh, that's just that just sounds classy. Two ninety nine at the plaid. What what screw top? <laughs> <laughs> All right then. It was so gross. You know, you have a job. You could afford decent wine at this point. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> the um well, that was like the combination that did Lara in the night before her nursing board finals. She just drank wine and, and, and uh, no, it was wine and tequila. I'm sorry, it wasn't wine and vodka. She drank red wine and tequila all night. So, anyway. No, it's one of those nights, too, I just, like, drank too much and, like, kind of blurry at the end. Like, you wake up feeling icky. From, like, <laughs> like your whole, like, you are inside and out covered with fur. I Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, you expect to look in the mirror and see mushrooms growing on your tongue. Yeah, so that's that. Fantastic. Woo. Well, all right, then. I'm sure it was nice to come in and see Kristen Bowie this morning, though. I'm sure she gave you a big oh, smile Kristen. and a, a hearty handshake no, covered with does, germs. She does not feel well today. No, but you know what? She's a game day player. Jeez, you know what we ought to? Uh, you know what they I ought to see nice people sick. Yeah, I know. It, and the people who should get sick never do. No. It's like how the people. It's like how artists you love die young, and then uh, you know, like Jessica Simpson lives forever. You know what they ought to invent over radio stations? They ought to invent just some sort of electrostatic thing mounted to the ceiling that goes and just electrifies the air and just instantly cleans every because don't they have that for microchip assembly rooms where like everybody clears out of the studio you seal it you close the doors you press a button and like it electrifies the air for 10 seconds and it kills all the bacteria in the room immediately and then you can go back in and the room is clean they ought to create that for radio stations i'm sure that cbs would free up the capital for us to buy one of those things 
Well, they did save a lot of with, money with on all Christmas the, uh, bonuses. Christmas bonuses and all. <laughs> and, all and all the... the, the uh, not the even a card? For, no, not anybody in this company acknowledged At least Entercom gave us a crappy Fred Meyer gift card for $20. Yeah. We get nothing. We bring in hundreds of thousands of well, dollars for you people. Sarah... I think I'm we all know up. that oh, that, yeah, mo- up. that money had to be set aside to buy something for Katie Kirk. <laughs> but why did the, it wasn't even acknowledged? Anyway, like any crappy place we've worked at, we at least get like a not even a forum email. Not even yeah, not even like a happy you know, holidays. Enjoy the time with you your know, family. The, the, you know, even the, the president of the United States does have that auto pen thing that like fakes a hundred thousand Christmas. Did you know that everybody who writes a, uh, uh, a letter to the president gets a Christmas card back? Oh, I like that's that. almost really? that's almost enough for me to send a letter to George Bush next year, just so I can get. And it's done with the auto well, pen. He won't be in. Well, no, 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 no. He'll still be there oh, at Christmas right. time. That's He's correct. got. He'll have a lame duck Christmas. Um, so it, it, the um, but they have that auto pen that signs the cards automatically. The auto pen, which I do believe was invented by Thomas Jefferson, and um, it, it, so it's not a stamp. It's an actual signature, but it's done by this automated hand that just does nothing but sign his name to things all day, which is a little unnerving when you think about it, that there's a machine somewhere that can flawlessly forge the signature of the president. Because yeah. God knows Dick Cheney couldn't misuse that somehow. That's exactly the sort of thing you want to run the vice president's office these days. Um, but if you send a letter to George Bush next year, you will get a hand-signed Christmas card back from him. Interesting. Yeah, you know, so I'm going to do that. Um, so maybe we should buy one of those for Let's Moon Bed. You know, that should be our gift to him next year. Let's buy him some sort or, you know, just an email program. Anyway, uh, let's move on to some other let's things move here. Forward. Uh, all right, let me read a couple of these uh, a couple of these emails here, uh, and then we'll talk uh, very briefly about uh, Tim Riley's best Christmas present ever. Oh. About which he sent me an exciting email. Uh, so we were talking yesterday, Tim. I don't think you were here for this. We were talking about Larry King, and how Larry King was interviewing Damian Eccles, who's um, he's a guy on he's a guy on Arkansas's death row for. A crime that he almost certainly didn't commit. And Larry King, just to recap briefly, Larry King asked, it was the most Larry King question I've ever heard. Because the, the genius and weakness of Larry King is his ability to boil things down to a very basic, straight-ahead, very simple question. So he's interviewing Damien Eccles, who has been on death row for 15 years, and who is, in the opinion of almost everybody, completely innocent. So Larry King, I swear to I should have pulled the audio, but Larry King, I swear to you, says this. He says... So, Damian Eccles, uh, you've been on death row for 15 years in Arkansas, uh, living every day in one of the worst prisons in America while the state waits to kill you. Meanwhile, knowing that you are innocent and that all the available evidence exonerates you, yet you remain on death row for a decade and a half. Do you find this frustrating? Like, that was like the big question that he boiled it down to. So then somebody emailed me and said, Rick... Did you see Larry King's interview of Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr last week? Tim, did you see it? No. No. He said, I kid you not, he addressed Ringo Starr as George. Which is wonderful when you consider that, A, they're the Beatles. I mean, my grandmother knows who Ringo Starr is. And that George Harrison is, um, what do you call it, dead and has been dead for years, I think. Hasn't George Harrison been dead for like two years, three years? So, anyway, so there you go. I'm going to try to find the audio of that. You can't expect Larry King of too much effort. (laughs) No, I suppose not. And he's interviewing the Beatles, and he's still doing that Larry King thing of reading his questions off a 3 by 5 card. uh, Really, honestly, if you are interviewing the two surviving Beatles, 
and you can't, like, in your own head just come up with some stuff that you might want to ask them? I mean, really, the power to interview ought to be taken away from you. You, you ought to just be put into some, you know, the Fletcher Memorial Home for, uh, you know, for interminable hosts somewhere. Uh, all right, just a couple brief observations, and then I will read this press uh, announcement that no one really cares about. Uh, and then uh, I will break here in a little while and talk to Lisa Desjardins. Uh, l- let me say this. I have this pop culture observation, which is tied into one of the Christmas presents that uh, I got Lara. So we have in our kitchen, we, we, my whole goal is to turn our house into the space-age kitchen of tomorrow, bit by bit. And so, I think I've mentioned this, but a couple years ago, we bought this motion-activated trash can for our kitchen. And you know, there's like those trash cans with where you step on the pedal and the lid opens. And so that's the kind we had for the longest time, where you'd go in there, and you'd step on the little button, and the lid swings open. You drop in your trash, and then you, you take your foot off. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. That, that kind of a thing. Except we, we had one of those for the longest time, and then, and then the foot pedal broke. Like, we stepped on it one day, and it just it snapped. Uh, and let's not think about how much I must weigh to break, like, the metal foot pedal of a trash can. Uh, but the metal foot pedal broke, and so we replaced it with uh, this, like, amazing device that's got a little sensor on the front of it. And... As your hand, like if you're clutching, like, let's say, a lemon peel in your hand, as you, or in my case, a Kraft macaroni and cheese box, as your hand gets closer to the trash can, it senses that you are approaching the trash, the lid opens, you drop in the trash, and then the lid closes. God, just when I think that you're, like, the laziest person ever, you just justify oh, no, no, it no. so wholeheartedly. No, it gets lazier. It sounds very hygienic. It is fantastic. Yeah, you, that's the thing is you don't have to touch the lid. If, you know, there's no handle to break. I mean, worst case scenario, batteries run out, you stick in some new batteries. Um, I wish we had that in our own restroom. Now, here we have this motion-activated paper towel thing. Which doesn't work. But And then you have to physically push open the trash can like it's the 1950s, <laughs> exposing yourself to the germs of who knows. Well, can't, I mean, Im- imagine the hands that have touched that trash That's can. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, we don't even have the foot pedal kind of trash now, can what I do here. is I open the door with a paper towel and hold the door open with my foot. As I throw the paper towel in the trash. Wait, but how do you... Hold on, you mean on the way out? Yes. Okay, let me understand this. Okay, you go into the bathroom, you do whatever you have to do. You go to the sink. Do you ever think about this, now that we're just going to be OCD? Do you ever think about this, that, like, you turn on the faucet... Because we have the old old school taps here. That's full of germs. Yeah, you wash your hands, you dr- but then you have to put your hand back on the dirty ass d- d- tap mm-hmm. to, to to you know on exactly that, whatever the purpose of it. Yeah, I mean, so you're you're putting your hand back on the dirty hot and cold water dispensers, the knobs or whatever. D- 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 so your hands are just as dirty when you leave uh-huh. as they are when you started. Anyway. So then, so then, as Tim pointed out, we have these motion-activated uh, paper towel dispensers here. You wave your... People would love to have these problems in other countries. You wave your hand in front of it. It spits out the paper towel. It's scary when it starts going off and you're not even in the room. When you're halfway done. Well, it sees you coming. Sometimes I will be mm. uh, over at the urinal doing whatever, my business or whatever, and it'll just start spitting out paper towels behind me. It's like 12 feet away. The thing freaks me out. Um... But then, as Tim noted, you use the paper towel to dry your hands, and then you have to touch, touch the it. trash can. Uh, it grosses me out every time. Putting your hand into... I just throw the paper towel what into is, the trash can sometimes. See, and sometimes I will wad up the paper towel as tight as I can, stick it in the toilet, and then flush it with my foot, because I don't want to leave the paper towel lying around for the janitor. But it's like, I don't want to touch the trash can. Mm-hmm. And I know we sound impossibly OCD about this, but come on. Well, it's a disgusting, it's like slimy, and you can tell that people just all like smear their hands well, on it. And that trash can is, by definition, a repository for filth. It's been here since 1969. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so Laura I and I at home. We have kinds of trash cans in our bathrooms. Well, 
It's funny you should mention that, Sarah, because we're going to find out later today. <laughs> okay. Um, we will, for reasons that I'll get into later, we will be taking, uh, and by we, I mean probably myself and Richie and you if you want to go along, we'll be taking a tour of the women's bathroom We're going to build TSL. It's a, long, it's a long story. Did you know that they have a sofa in the women's bathroom upstairs, Tim? Maybe it's a nice bathroom. Yeah, but see, it's like way nicer than the men's room. And so, women a lot, a lot to relax. Men get it over with and leave. It's a lot, see, men have a bathroom, women have a lounge. That's w- so they can gossip. Women have a powder room. Oh, like the baby changing area at Nordstrom? Exactly. How there's an entirely separate room? So Susan Reynolds was revealing to me that there's a sofa upstairs, and I was and I was sort of agog at that, and so she offered to give us a tour of the women's bathroom today because there's nobody there. So we'll do that later on today. Um, there's but, nobody upstairs? No, no, everybody's gone. No, there's basically are they Susan. Gone? Are they coming back? <laughs> you mean ever or today? <laughs> ever. Well... That Christmas tree. They haven't figured out how to automate sales yet. a little droopy up there. <laughs> um, no, it's basically just Susan upstairs. Susan, who is a true radio soldier. She is here working. Everyone else, gone. Um, okay. Well, she generally picks up the slack for the entire building. No, it's true. Um, she's the default setting for... Uh, she's You know what it is? She's the typo uh, negative. Is that what it is? What's the universal donor? I think it's typo, I think it's negative. typo negative. Yeah, she's the typo negative of, of the CBS Radio Portland world. Whatever you need done, bam, Susan Reynolds is there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so at home, Laura and I, though, have this motion-activated trash can where you go to throw the trash away. It senses, the lid opens, you throw in the trash, closes. Very hygienic, and it makes me feel like I'm living in one of those houses of tomorrow. So what I bought for Laura this Christmas, one of the gifts I bought her, and I told her straight up, I'm like, one of these gifts is retarded. Just so you know, like the gifts were all under the tree, and I said, one of these gifts is really dumb, but I think you'll like it. I bought her, and it's doubly great because it's from the Sky Mall catalog. Oh, I love Sky Mall. That's when Shim's got my hot diggity dogger. This is the first time I have ever bought anything from the Sky Mall catalog. Have you ever bought anything from it? No. you got to do it just once so you can point to something and go, it's from the Sky Mall catalog. (laughs) Tim? I've always wanted to order that towel warmer, but oh, I... Oh, the towel warmer's genius. you got to do it. You owe it to yourself as an American. Did you get the dog stairs? No, no, no. Um, I actually did get dog stairs for Max from the SkyMall catalog. I bought two things for Max, because he's, you know, not getting any younger. Um, I bought dog stairs for Max, but for Lara, it, you know, for both of us, but for her, I bought a motion-activated paper towel dispenser for our kitchen. And it works so much better than the ones here in the bathroom. It's unbelievable. How many paper towels do you use at your house? Well, in our kitchen, you know, we, well, we have a lot of trees here. So you know, yeah. Well, none of that's the thing is, A, I don't care about using paper. And B, again, I don't mean to make myself sound like a total germ freak, but I mean, you got, you know, people get that one, whatever, the, the, the hand towel that if hangs on the front freak, of the oven. you you wouldn't touch like little spots of things all over the table and like pick them up. That's gross. I'm just saying, everybody has that one paper, uh, the one hand towel that hangs on the front of the oven or whatever, like where the potholders are. And it's like that one towel gets used for everything. Every now and again, you just want something that you know is clean to wipe your hands on. Uh, or if you just need to quickly get some water off your hands. So in our kitchen, we have now a motion-activated paper towel dispenser. You reach toward it. And it goes, and it spits out a paper towel, which you then, t- and it clamps it as soon as it's done, so you can tear it away, and then it readies like itself. It? Yeah, it is, it's, it is, and it's, Is that the word? It's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, What's well, per- the paper towels are already perforated. Col- yeah, perforated. But it advances it just today. past the perforation, and then it clamps, and then you can tear it off. It works flawlessly. Like, way better than these ones here in the bathroom at CVS, which costs God knows how much money. So, if you ever, you know, if you, if you are desirous of that kind of a thing, SkyMall.com, go there, you buy the uh, touchless paper towel dispenser. It is fantastic. And they got a sale on dog stairs, too. Anyway, and the great thing about it is, A, we now have a matching set 
and it's like this brushed stainless steel. We have a max, matching set of brushed stainless steel uh, motion-activated kitchenware. And I can now point at something in my home and go, yeah, I bought that from the SkyMall catalog. Because everybody has the same reaction, which is, oh, I love the SkyMall catalog, but I've never bought anything from it. So you really, as Americans, you deserve to treat yourself. Buy something from SkyMall. Well, 2008 is just ahead. So it's the year of, yeah, it should be the year of the SkyMall catalog for you, Tim. You really, you really ought to do it. It's a very empowering feeling. Um, all right, let's do these calls and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, about these motion-activated bathroom accessories. Yes. Uh, I guess a rhetorical question would be, how come it is when you go into some of the uh, the public restrooms that have the motion-activated, that they don't motion-activate everything? They'll, like, motion-activate the soap but not the sink. They'll motion-activate the paper towels, and then the motion-activated paper towels run into the wet sink. Totally. That's, you know, exactly. And can I just tell you this? And I don't mean to sound like we're knocking on CBS this hour. I don't mean for it to be like we're piling on the company that employs us and pays our bills. But I will say that in the CBS radio break room here, the paper towel dispenser is almost directly above the sink. And as it spits out the towels, yes, it goes into the kitchen sink, which is A, wet, and B, filled with germs. Right. And then the bathroom door should swing out so you can push on it with your, you know, your clothed, yes. your jacketed coat or whatnot. But, but you have, have to, to pull on it. Disgusting handle you have to pull on it. You don't know who's whizzed all over their hands. And, and by the way, and can I also mention this? Do we all agree that there ought to be a motion-activated toilet at this point? Well, it's something to where you wave your hand to flush it. But I'm talking about the sit-down kind. Because you have to flush it. I flush it with my foot, you know? Yeah, I think like most people. Those. Do they? They have those. Woodburn Company outlet malls there. I believe those bathrooms, which are quite nice. All right. Um, they, they have that. But I was going to, you know, the real reason I'm calling has to do with, you said you were lazy and you're motion-activated um, garbage can putting the uh, macaroni and cheese box in there. Right. Macaroni and cheese box, my friend, goes in recycling. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Hi. Huh. Hi. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. And Tim and Sarah. Hello. 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 <laughs> Tim left the room. Oh. Uh, well, I was just going to comment that, you know, um, it seems kind of odd to me that you are so fear, fearful of germs that you don't want to touch the uh, the uh, the trash can. Yeah. But you drink right straight from the the bathroom sink on an airplane. Yeah. With <laughs> okay. Water. Yes. Thank you. There was nowhere else to get water. Okay, also, and that and that's different. I mean, it's look. It's not like it's not like I am a total germ phobe. I'm not like Howard Hughesian about it, uh, you know. But I just it, it. I don't mean to be gross here. It's not so much the germs as such because I have faith in my immune system, which is the same reason I drink tap water because I have faith in my immune system. Doesn't matter. It's that. And again, I'm not trying to be. Oh, I don't. I hate it when you say I'm not trying to be gross because then it's always no, disgusting. I'm just saying every. Mouth. I'm just saying everybody's had that experience. Of you pull the toilet handle or you do whatever. Oh my God! It's almost 11:40. Oh, you pull the toilet handle or whatever, and then there's just like some crud on there, you know, or like you turn the sink tap and you're like, there's goo on this. Like I don't wish to have this goo on my hands. I just don't want stuff on my hands. You know what I mean? Yes. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. You can 
require um, authentication for all of that. Messages, everything. There's 27 pages of messages that I haven't read. Have fun with that. Oh, by the way, um, Susan Reynolds wanted you to know that this gift just arrived from Les Moonves for you, Sarah. There, there you go. There's another Fred Claus shirt. Thank you, Mr. Moonves. Uh-huh. The last thing I need is a Fred Claus um, shirt. Hey, Les Moonves. I mean, Les Moonves. Screw a bonus. <laughs> Sorry that I can't pay my cell phone bill. To borrow some money from my parents. Well, I'm getting your... I'm rocking my Fred Claus t-shirt. You'll be looking very stylish in the in looking very stylish in the unemployment line. Won't I? Uh, all right. Thank you for your many years of hard work, Sarah. Thank you. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi guys, how's it going? How are you today? How are things? How's life? Oh, I'm just uh, delightful as a Christmas tree. What can I say? It's a good day. I've got, I've got the weekend off. I'm done for the day. You, say, you, 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 sound, you sound sort of like you're in a, 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 a more. It's the many, uh, the many mellow moods of Lisa today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been it's been a busy week. Are I'm you in weekend excited. mode? Uh, not yet. You know, I'm running running a bunch of errands. We've got a, a friend with a 30th birthday, and there's a big surprise. And so I've I've got uh, in my car a birthday cake with a really weird photo on it, and a a box full of beer koozies. So, Wait, know, can I tell you how much? When did we start? When did the pronunciation of cozy change to koozie? Exactly at what point Ooh. in our history when we did we decide that that was going to be pronounced differently? I didn't know it was ever uh, cozy. Is it a West Coast East Coast thing? I don't I, think so because you know, know it is. It's because it's a spinoff. I always said koozie, but it's always been wrong. It's it's a spinoff of tea cozy, <laughs> like a tea cozy, which is a thing you put around your teapot. I mean, right. unless unless I'm completely missing okay. something, uh, beer. Beer koozie comes from beer cozy, which again is sort of a, a playful knockoff of a tea cozy, which is like a, a tea cozy was like a little crocheted Afghani thing that you put around your teapot. Ah, I think you've got a point. I never considered this. You know, I came late into the beer drinking world, so I, I don't. I may have even missed the correct <laughs> you, pronunciation. You didn't have the proper redneckian upbringing to be uh, <laughs> no. boozing it up at like four. All right. Well, well, what can you do? You don't have you don't have any of those charming stories like my dad does about how uh, when his parents would have when my grandparents would throw parties to keep my dad quiet they would just like load him up with schlitz like as soon as the party started when he was like six you just like, send it they just give him a can of beer and send them off into the house so all right um, well there's a whole a bunch of stuff going on uh, today first of all I, I noticed that I noticed that you have developed or they have developed for you a little niche. And the niche... <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah. Do you know what I'm about to say? I can guess, but yeah, go ahead. What do you think your niche has become, in my estimation? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's a sort of, why should you care, America? Exactly. This <laughs> is taking large and seemingly complex issues and boiling them down for the average American nitwit. Uh, and you did that with the national deficit, making, quote, the deficit yes. sexy. And well, today, yeah, say it is, yes. and today we have the um, uh, Pakistan. Why care? Which is, <laughs> which really does just define my whole world outlook to a T. By the way, <laughs> why bother caring about any of this? So, uh, all right. Uh, apart from the fact that Pakistan seems to be run by lunatics and is armed to the teeth with nuclear weapons, are there other reasons to care? Well, I mean, I think the whole, the idea of the world, uh, the, the next alignment of the world potentially being uh, anti-American, extreme Islamist versus America and its willing or less willing allies 
Pakistan is is perhaps even more critical than Iraq uh, or maybe even Afghanistan in that way because here's a moderate uh, Islamic nation that has a secular government, a d- democracy, and, and it's right there in the middle of it all, Afghanistan on one side, Iran uh, also bordering Pakistan. If, if Pakistan became a more fundamentalist, more extreme country, uh, I, I think it could change the balance so that you would see uh, more of a sort of bipolar world. You know, right now, there, there's a mix of interests. There's a lot of different types of Islamic countries, just like there's a lot of different types of Western countries. But I think if, uh, if Iran and uh, kind of the more extreme interests were able to get an extreme government in Pakistan, you would see more of a, a world alignment start to emerge that, that could be dangerous for the U.S. and others. And I'm not going to pretend to know more than I do. And I was you actually sort of answered one of my questions, which is I was going to ask if Pakistan was a theocracy. But it, you said they have a secular government. Is that by dint of just the election or is that by dint of law? You know, I don't know if their law mandates that it must be sec- – I, 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 I believe that – their law mandates it must be secular, but I don't know that for a fact. I, I'm not familiar enough with Pakistani law, but it's because it's not a theocracy, it, it makes me think that must be the case because theocracies are all written into law uh, by and large. In, in, but, but I, I mean, I guess you could have you could have a, a religious party that gets control of the government and, and therefore makes it a theocracy. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's possible in Pakistan or not. In the objective assessment of you know folks, is Pakistan a uh, I mean, they're not an enemy, I suppose, but are they are they a, a real, actual ally, or are they sort of a Saudi Arabia ally, where you get the feeling that, like, you know, that they're setting fires uh, with one hand and giving you the hose with the other? You know, I think it would be it'd be lots of fun. It, it would definitely be interesting to to do the spectrum of uh, America's allies. You know, just just who is a real ally and who kind of where do we go on that spectrum? I think Pakistan is probably a closer ally to the United States than Saudi Arabia, and that way kind of more of a, a genuine ally overall. You know, but that said, there's a reason that the United States is not intervening in this crisis right now in Pakistan, and that's because if the U.S. were to show uh, support on the ground or uh, even send in, let's say, an FBI investigation team, uh, that would hurt Musharraf because Musharraf is seen as being too much in the United States' pockets there has been an increase of uh, uh, fundamentalism in Pakistan, but I think still Saudi Arabia is way ahead of Pakistan when it comes to uh, kind of more uh, religious-oriented law in in their country. Well, Saudi so, Arabia is very much. I mean, the, they're far. They're way on the. They're on the other end. I think. I would say that Saudi Arabia is very much the Eddie Haskell of the of the American <laughs> ally world in that part of the. In that you know. Saudi Arabia is very sort of, why, yes, Mr. United States, it's very nice to, whatever you want, Mr. <laughs> United States. And then, meanwhile, they're sending 17 of the 19 hijackers our way. So they, right. they it does, the, the, the I phrase. Think I think the anti-American, the hatred of the America, of America is, is uh, probably deep, more deeply rooted in Saudi Arabia than Pakistan right now. But it's outside Pakistan is an issue. There, there certainly are a lot of, there is a lot of anger toward America. And Benazir Bhutto said in herself there's a lot of desperation in Pakistan and the government needs to address it or else, you know, we've seen that the people will address it for them. Well, that's, I mean, and that's where all the the roots of revolution all kind of, you know, it seems to me come from all of, every revolution can trace uh, its its genesis to people who are frustrated, desperate, and who reach a point where they just don't care because even chaos or upheaval is is preferable to the status quo or to the alternative. So it's just... Exactly. Did you see the the hideous irony um, in, in that 
I think Tim Riley was telling me this um, that it wasn't even the, it wasn't even a gunshot uh, that caused that it was it was let me see and let me read this here um, let's see um, okay so uh, Benazir Bhutto died as a result of a fractured skull after hitting her head on part of the car sunroof and actually was not even hit by the bullet apparently. Yeah, that's what the Pakistani government is saying, and that that it wasn't, nor was it shrapnel, which a lot of people thought it might be as well from the bomb blast. That they're saying that she was, you know, standing outside of that sunroof, and that the blast apparently pushed her head into, I guess, the the lever or you know whatever the right. kind of arm was of the the sunroof top. And here's the thing: is this is in Pakistan, uh, Benazir Bhutto supporters so much uh, mistrust. Uh, President Musharraf and his government, that this is sort of like uh, President Bush coming out and saying, hey, we found weapons of mass destruction in Canada. Right. You know, I think I think a lot of people just, because it's changed, at first it was a bullet, then it was shrapnel, now it was she hit her head on the car. And, and you have to think, why would they make that up? It really doesn't seem like it would help them any to, to make that story up. But uh, this is leading to a lot of conspiracy theories and just further questioning of the Musharraf government, further mistrust, and further problems. So by the end of the week, we'll be hearing that Benazir Bhutto was killed by a controlled demolition. Right, or an alien. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, I, I know you got things to do, places to be, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Big weekend ahead for you? Uh, yeah, you've got the big, uh, this big party for the friend, and then uh, driving up, driving back to Pennsylvania. should be good. How about you? What are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I have uh, my uh, wife and I recently acquired an Xbox 360, and uh, and so we uh, we made the great and terrible. Uh, we, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a mistake or not. Uh, but my wife um, we rented a copy of um, of uh, the Star Wars Lego Complete Saga, which is where you can play the entire Star Wars saga as a Lego figure, and it really is just unbelievable. It's one of the best video games I've ever played in my life. And just this week, I've I've lost untold hours of my finite time on Earth to this game. So it's probably going to be a big weekend of just sitting on the sofa and moving only my thumbs. So there you go. Fantastic. Uh, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the party, and we will talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you, you Lisa. Bye. There you go. See you on the radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. Fantastic. Fantastic. Dig her. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, if we can get back to the whole uh, uh, fear of germs in public bathrooms. Yes. I am right with you on that. Public bathrooms kind of freak me out. I don't touch a damn thing. If they don't have one of the automatic towel dispensers, then I'll dispense some towels before I even touch the you know, sink or the soap. And use the towels as a shield when you have to oh, touch anything else in the bathroom. Ab absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and my other point is the whole automatic towel dispensers, uh, you know, I don't know this for a fact because I don't make them or sell them, but I got a pretty good feeling that, that uh, uh, the uh, uh, purchaser of those can adjust the amount of paper dispense and also the time delay between dispensers. They can, absolutely. Some of them are ridiculously slow. They, well, and they, it, they, they, again, here it's, boy, there's a common thread running through this whole hour. Here at CBS, they've decided to, to really be stingy uh, with the amount of paper towels they'll give us because you wave your hand, it spits about a six inches of towel, you tear it off, and then you got to wait like three seconds to get the next set of towels. Yeah. Here's how I know it's adjustable. When I was at Salt Lake City International Airport um, in um, in Utah uh, a couple weeks ago, they had exactly the same paper towel dispenser at the Salt Lake Airport bathroom, and yet theirs was set up, so every time you tore the towel, it automatically put a new towel out, yes. so there was always one there. 
wasn't that nice. Yeah, and let me. And here's the other reason I know it's adjustable because the, the, even the stupid motion-activated paper towel dispenser that I bought at home from the Sharper Image catalog is adjustable. Has all uh -huh. kinds of little switches on the sides. So you can determine how and when it spits out paper towels. So. Yes. They, oh, and the, the, the one other thing, the, yeah. the, the reason I called up about this, I went to a public bathroom at a restaurant, and they and they had one of the bathrooms that was outside around the corner, and they give you this key with this giant, you know, steel ladle on it. Oh, yeah. And and what really grossed me out, maybe you want to call up, was that there was something looked like hardened mucus on the spoon. <laughs> Ew. Mucus on the sorry spoon. Sorry, anybody. Hey, look at that. Four minutes till the lunch hour. But other than that, um, you know, yeah, kind of right. kind of gross. So thank, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye Take now. Take care. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah, those community uh, bathroom keys that are always tied to, like, a hubcap. I mean, and it's, it's just foul. I mean, I don't mean to pick anybody know, in particular, but really everybody's gross. gone to a restaurant like that or some sort of a... Which is stupid because it's like the whole thing is that they think somebody's going to run off with their, you know, run off with the bathroom key. Like, there's Heaven somebody... forbid. There's somebody out there whose key collection is just missing, the, you know, the restroom key for Rocco's Pizza or something. And so, you know, you better tie it to a pie plate that's, like, the size of my house. All right. I have some other observation. Oh, and my final observation is this. And this sort of thing, strangely enough, this kind of thing doesn't bother me when it's at, like, some real dive. Because you just expect those places to be foul. Because you know where it doesn't bother me? It's my father's place. And my father's place, no secret, I'm sure the people there would admit this with some pride, actually. That place is kind of a hole in many ways. But you know what? When you go in, you just sort of know that. You're going to like, hey, this place is kind of a dive. That's what makes it great. What makes it great is also what makes it you know, inhospitable to most human life. I can't speak for the women's bathroom at my father's place, but you go in the men's room there, and you know what they have? It's not a paper towel dispenser. It's the, um, that thing that has the big, uh, like, burlapy cloth that you pull, like, jank, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's the big roll of fabric towel. Does anybody know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, those are disgusting and dirty. And it's you know, and they're always used because you can't tell because it goes right back into the machine. Well, see, that's my thing is don't you die to know what's inside those? Don't you? Don't dirty. You, but I want to know how much is in there. That's my thing because like part of you thinks, look, when I first used one of those as a kid, where you would pull on the cloth and the little towel part comes out and then it, but it's a big loop, and part of me thought, okay, are there cleaning agents inside? Like, as the dirty towel gets pulled back inside, does it go through some sort of a, is there some sort of a bleach bath or something, or some sort of a tub of cleaning agents that it goes through so it's cleaned and sterilized? Like, does it go through an alcohol solution inside so when it comes out, it's clean? And I thought, or is there just like 500 feet of towel in there and a guy has to come change it out every now and again? I think, yeah, I think that he has to come change it out and then probably wash it. And The great thing about my father's place, though, because it is, because it is that place, is... In the men's room, the big uh, burlapy cloth thing, it's been broken at some point. And so it's just like one piece that just hangs down onto the floor. That everybody, and so what it is. And people is, keep wiping their hands exactly, on Exactly. It? it has become basically a big wall mounted version of the hand towel that hangs on the front of your stove by the potholders. <laughs> Gets used like a thousand times before anybody cleans it. Zing. All right, we should take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, have E News for us. Yes, and I'm adding to the stack at every moment. Excellent. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Back after this, here's Twisted Sister. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Speaking of which, your uh, Frank Sinatra Christmas special went over fantastically. Did it? Yeah, on uh, Christmas Eve... 
Um, and for people who have been asking about the radio play, we will try to get that up as a podcast and behind the music, or behind the music, behind the Christmas, too. Um, on Christmas Eve, we did, uh, we played Behind the Christmas, which is from a few years ago, and then we played the radio play, and we had the Frank Sinatra Christmas special that you put together, too, which was, which was really good. So I hadn't actually ever heard it all the way through before. I'd only heard bits and pieces of it. It was really great. And there were a bunch of people working on Christmas Eve who emailed to, uh, to kind of thank us for putting that all together. So not a problem. We're glad well, to do it. Well done, Tim Riley. Well, thank you. Uh, let's get this call about paper towels, and then we'll go to the Ministry of Truth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Sarah, Tim. Hi. Hello. Hey, your, your cloth paper towel thing, yeah. the Oregon Guard even still uses them. they got a couple of them mounted out there in Clackamas. Of course. Anyway, the best way to describe those things is they're like a reel-to-reel machine. The used paper towel rolls up underneath the, the new one. All right. And places like Syntas and other... other uh, Work-related laundry places replace those for you. Okay, so when it's when it's used up, a guy comes in and changes it out. Yeah, but you don't reuse the same same towel. Oh. I mean, it rolls up and it kind of hides away down at the bottom. Of I the mean, don't get me wrong; it's an interesting innovation. It's just one of those things that you know. And and of course, you never ever ever trust that the person before you has like a, you know has has pumped, you know pulled it through enough. So you always have to pull it down. Like it probably yeah. probably a full third of that towel roll is never used. Because it's just stuff that, pe- you know, if people have pulled it down enough to make sure they're getting a fresh section, you know? Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. I was thinking the same thing. Exactly. Side, side point on your 360. Why waste your time with Jedi Knights, Lego, blah, blah? You should be out playing Call of Duty with us. Uh, is that Call of Duty 4? Yep. Yeah. It, you know, Michael Ma- Michael Ma- 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 on the Donna Mike show is a huge fan. Of, in fact, later on, we don't have time to do it now, but later on I'm going to, I don't know, get, get a few suggestions on that because it's, because uh, I got, you know, the obligatory Halo 3 uh, game. Oh, I got that, too. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm playing my way through Halo 3. Uh, my wife rented, God bless her, part of why she's the best wife ever, uh, On as we headed into the holiday weekend, she not only went to Pasta Works and then to a couple other stores and just bought just, I mean, pro- she probably purchased 40,000 calories worth of food and brought it home. It's just wonderful. And then she rented a few uh, 360 games. Uh, she rented uh, the, the Lego Star Wars Complete Saga, which is really mind-blowing. Uh, and then she rented the Godfather game, which is good. Not really my style. I'm not really into like the Grand Theft Auto type games. Uh, and then the Def Jam Icon game, which is pretty good. Um, but uh, I've seen those ads for Call of Duty 4, and they just they, the game looks exceptional. It just it smoked Halo 3. Really? It smoked Halo 3. It's so much more fun. That's a bold statement. Oh, I love it. All I, right. I put my Halo 3 away. I'm about ready to get rid of it. Uh, all right, okay. Well, soon i got to play all the way through, but as soon as I'm done with Halo 3, then I might check that. I think on Xbox Live, I think you can download like a demo version of Call of Duty 4 to kind of test yeah. it out, so I might do that. Yeah, you can, but it's not the online playable. Mm, all right. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, there you Take go. These, Rick. Thank you. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A Columbus Falls man accused of selling footage of his girlfriend having sex with a dog will be arraigned wow. next month. Wow. Whoa. This is a news story. I, I know. I'm just, I'm sorry. I didn't. It's kind of like. You need to know when uh, when the the um, you need to have been a special sounder. You need to know when when the Klingon attack ship is getting ready to fire its torpedoes at you, so you can go shields up to sort of to sort of weather the, the well, attack. We, we start with the big guns here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hold on a Baker. second. Just hold on a second. I'm flushing it out of my head. 
Okay, shields up inside my inside my brain and around my soul. Okay, start again, Tim. All right. A Klamath Falls man accused of selling footage of his girlfriend having sex with a dog will be arraigned next month. Okay. Oh God. Yeah, see, shields up. That's why it didn't bother me that time. Well, these are small town values we're talking about here. Klamath Falls. <laughs> a 53-year-old uh, Stephen Baker told investigators he made twelve thousand dollars by selling these videotapes to a company in Denmark. Of course, up uh, in Denmark. And Germany. So Baker and his girlfriend, 49-year-old Kim Ballberger. <laughs> what? 49-year-old Kim Ballbergen were arrested on charges of sexual assault of an animal. I just don't want to be Bergen. <laughs> uh, the sheriff of Calamity County said the dog Max is now in custody at a local humane society. Why are they always they named Max? They're trying to find him a new loving home. Why is it that every dog I know is named Max? My dog's not named Max. Jolie's dog is Max. I know, but Jolie's dog is named Max. Uh, Don Geronimo's dog is named Max. My dog is named Max. There was some other Max I saw the other day. Um, really? Really, yes. She's 49? Well... She she was looking for a cottage business, and they made $12,000 doing this so far. Well, I mean, you know, for, an hour's, work, for an hour's work. <laughs> Stop. I'm just saying, I'm not saying I would ever do it, but if you... You do that for $12,000? No, I'm just... If you're living in Klamath Falls... I'm just saying, I wouldn't do it, but it's like how, you know, they talk about cocaine having a 17,000% markup. You know, make it for a buck, sell it for 17000 I mean, I guess if you're... Completely vile and broken inside. <laughs> you need to make some money. Twelve thousand dollars for really the cost of the cost of some kibble and a handy cam. See, the perverse thing is, I do. I want to see a picture of her now, not like in action, but I do want to see what she looks like. Don't you? Well, we have to find this uh, company in Denmark. That's well, stupid but what is what is her name? Her name. Can you yeah. hold on a second? Let me let me go to the uh, Kim Ballbergen. Please now to spell. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on, I gotta get to Yahoo. Kim. Hold on one second. I get to Google News. Uh, Kim. Okay, how do you spell her last name? B A A L B E R G E N. Oh, B A A L. Mm-hmm. That's like the uh, like the God Baal. All right, hold on. Paula um, Birkin. Okay, wait, hold on. Here's a picture of her coming up. Not an action, just her mugshot. I don't wish to see a picture of her having relations with one of God's creatures. With her hand around Mitchell Bickford. Mitchell Bickford's taking the movies. Um, all right, hold on. Picture coming up. Do, 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 do. Wow. Uh-huh. He sort of looked... The husband? Yeah. Um, or boyfriend or whatever? Um, the, the, the boyfriend looks a lot like an older, angrier version of Mailman Chris. She just looks bad. You know what she looks like? She looks like a really old, terrible version of... Um, God, what was her name? She was Hot Lips in the MASH movie. Ew. Loretta Swit. No, 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 not Loretta Swit. Not in the series, in the movie. Sally Kellerman. Oh. Sally Kellerman. Loretta Swit, though, I could see that actually as well. Doesn't he kind of look like Mailman Chris in a weird way? Or what's his guts from Mythbusters? The girl looks like, uh, the girl looks like Charlize Theron in that. Um, Monster? In Monster, yeah. The Eileen Wuornos of the uh, dog mm-hmm. sex world? Yeah. Yeah, he uh, yeah he either looks like Mailman Chris or or that one guy the guy from MythBusters who has the huge the, the walrus mustache. That guy I can never yeah. tell them apart. I can never remember the names on that show. Um, boy, all right. Um, you can't look at it too long. It's bad for your soul. Yeah. Well, speaking of what's bad for your soul, can I just say this? 
Um, so he sold it twelve thousand yeah. dollars. I wonder if that's like a one-time sale. I mean, that's more than anyone else in Klamath Falls makes in a decade. I, I wonder if it's the so like eighty percent of the uh, the gross domestic product of Klamath Falls is in dog sex videos. <laughs> like if you look at a pie chart, it's like meth. You it's know, in the red. Used tires. It's dog the biggest, sex. It's the biggest like piece the of huge, the pie. The huge wedge. Um, I, I do have to say. I do have to. Well, never mind. I don't even want to tell. But the it's story. so true. I know. I have. Yeah. I'm really weighing in my head whether to tell this next story or not. I'll go ahead. It's a you holiday totally weekend. Said. Okay. We're, we're substitute. You said nobody's this. listening anyway. We're celebrating the holidays here. You. You asked You're the, the story. There's nobody upstairs. You. Well, nobody's upstairs. Oh, Susan Reynolds is upstairs. Susan I Reynolds. I just saw her go back. Well, up. you know what? That's. But you're right. She really is. She's the T1000. She's really all we need up there. Um. I will say this. Um. Sort of, uh, boy, shades of code monkeys. Um, that uh, that uh, that uh, computer animated that show about software programmers um, that um, that loathes me, which is really hilarious. But it does sort of remind me of that show. Actually, in the early days of at least my exposure to the internet, I mean, this is back in like '96, maybe. So you know, over a decade ago, when it was really kind of just picking up steam with the with the general populace, and I certainly wasn't that familiar with it. I was at work one day, and a friend of mine, whose name I will not use, it's nobody we know, but I, just, I won't even say his name, a friend of mine whose name I will not use, I was across the office, and he was over there kind of behind his computer, typing away, doing whatever. I'm across the office, and he says, and this this sort of thing happens with, like, in that court in Fatboy's office all day, every day, to poor Becca. Like with the two girls, one cup thing. Where at one point I know they called Be- Becca, come check this out. What is it? I don't know. Just come look at it, you know. And then they just like sprang that on the poor girl. I remember being in 1996, being in my office, and my friend blah 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 calls me over, and he says, "Hey, come look at this cool thing somebody sent me." And I said, "What is it?" And he goes, "No, no, no. I can't really describe it. Come look at it." And I walk over and I look at his screen, and on the sc- and like as soon as I got there, he had hit play and it was already going. It was a woman engaged in relations with one of God's creatures, and. I, it was one of those things where I actually looked at it for about eight seconds because my brain couldn't really accept what it was. Like, it took me a few seconds to process it. And I I looked at it, and it, then it's like all at once with the unfolding horror of a thousand suns. It just sort of registered in my head, and I kind of went, ah! And I tore my eyes away from the screen. And I think that our goal for the rest of the day, though, was to trick everybody in the office into seeing it. So we spent, that was a good three or four hours we spent trying to, it was like roaches in a motel trying to get their brethren to come in. We just spent the rest of the day trying to get everybody in the office to come over and witness this horrible video. Well, there is preparation for a radio program, which we, we have no problem with here at CBS. No, no. I, I'm sure the same thing goes on in New York when they're putting together Katie Couric's evening news. <laughs> Katie, come look at this dog sex movie. Come on. So, uh, there you go. All I remember is that it was in front of a roaring fire. That's all I remember oh, like about. A, like a Yule log, was it? Well, yes. That's what I thought. Yes, Tim, there. Never mind. I'm not even going to make that joke. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, time hasn't lessened the bond between the Full House cast. Actor Dave Coulier, who played Joey Gladstone in the late 80s, early 90s ABC sitcom, say he and his fellow co-stars are still very close. We all still see each other from the cast of Full House. We're all still very uh, closely intertwined. We all still hang out, get together, and keep pretty close tabs on each other. How sad if that's true. Really, I mean, honestly. If you're a cat, what do you do? I hang out with other former cast members of Full House. 
and drink. I mean, how sad is it that there's no other news on the site <laughs> that I have to take full house? Some on the metro site? Yes, it is. Are they, they just not? No one's there. Are they just not posting anything? They don't even have a Susan Reynolds working there. They're, they? they're sending down full house sound bites. <laughs> you wonder if those were just sitting around. I know they were on somebody's desk. Those are just, just uh, what have we got in the uh, Evergreen file? I don't know. We got uh, Don Knopf's interview, a thing about, uh, let's see, a thing about uh, the Butterball Hotline, <laughs> and uh, some full house clips. Well, use those. All right. Basically, so we are. Genius. Uh, several of the former show's co-stars took an interesting trip to Disneyland recently. Oh. How recently this was, we don't <laughs> 1992. know. 1992. It was Goth Day at Disneyland, and apparently uh, the Goth people love Full House because we were like the Pied Pipers walking through the park. Uh-huh. Okay. You know what this is like? Wait till you see what Monday is going to be. If you think Christmas are in this, this is only Friday. You know we what? They have a couple more days to go. You know what this is? These clips. These clips are the Fred Claus T-shirts of the Metro News Service they World. Are. They really are. They've given away everything good. This is all that's left in the Metro Soundbite closet to give away. Are these these sound clips about somebody from Full House going to Disneyland and seeing a goth? And he was interviewed by phone. They didn't even send anybody. Else. <laughs> Probably from a payphone. He's on one of those prepaid like he's on a prepaid like cricket phone. Um the um I by the way, just as a side note, there is I don't know if it's online anywhere, but there used to there was a website I saw somewhere where it was it was a bunch of photos because there really there really is this thing that some small section of the goth world does where they all get together and they all go to Disneyland on the same day. Um and really it's just ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong, I I have many friends that are goths. Um, but, you know, and I'm all for goth girls and whatever, but it just looks retarded. I mean, it's just stupid. It's just a bunch of people wearing 600 pounds of makeup and leather with, like, a purple parasol, like, walking through the small world ride. I mean, it's just, like, off the charts stupid. It just looks unbelievably dumb. So, uh, if you, if you get a chance, go check out, uh, the goth day at Disneyland websites. They're pretty hilarious. Somebody took about, somebody took about 20 years off Fergie's face. Oh, let me, uh... Yeah, that doesn't even look like her. Oh. Maybe several years ago in high school. She looks bad. Yeah. A, she looks airbrushed, but you think that That airbrushed... isn't her nose. That isn't even anywhere near her nose. Well, you'd think that maybe, they would... Maybe it was a nose stand-in. You'd think that they would airbrush her and make her, look, make her look a little better. And they left some hair around her belly button. Um, but uh, does this face look unnatural? No, I've, I, yeah, I've been looking at the internets for weeks. It looks... So her eyes look... It kind of looks like that alien Madonna photo that came out a couple years ago. It, yeah, her eyes look too far apart, and there's something wrong and with her mouth. And her nose is really, really small, and her mouth is not her own. Yeah. Name. We're talking about the new Blender magazine. This is, yeah, this was the, the cover of Blender. Um, Fergie, blah, blah, blah. She's engaged to What's-His-Guts. Did you see that? Whoever that guy is? Oh, yeah. Is it Josh Duhamel? Is that the guy? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah, she's again. Boy, did you see that terrible, uh, terrible performance that she gave at the... God, was it the VMAs or the AMAs or some crap blockbuster music award? One of those award shows nobody cares about. Where she did Live and Let Die? No. Boy, it was bad. It was really bad. It was unbelievably bad. Um, so, anyway. Well, it's not as funny as that, that Beyonce TV commercial where she's trying to be Marilyn Monroe and singing Diamonds are a Girl's Best Friend. No, really? Yes, it's laughably terrible. Is it supposed to be terrible? No. But okay. everybody laughs every time they see it. It's I have, black and white, too. Okay, I have to find it now. Um, yeah, that's awful. Okay, let me uh, let's see. Beyonce, diamonds. What I is it an so. ad for? 
I don't know. I think it's diamond. diamond Company, do you think? Yeah. All right. Maybe. Um, Empor- Emporio Armani Diamonds commercial featuring Beyonce? That might be it. All right. Let's see here. Oh, here's full version. Oh, right. let's watch. The let's look for version. the full version. Yeah, Fergie looks really ugly here. I mean, I'm not one to throw stones, but please. Um. All right, let's see. All right, this is uh the full version. I told you it's <laughs> It's so ridiculously terrible. Jesus. It's it's badly miscast. She's really the wrong person to do this. Yeah. I told you. I told you. It's not supposed to be a comedy, but it is. Am I supposed to find this, like, classy and alluring? Yeah, you are. It's neither of those things. Man. Emporio Armani Diamonds, the new fragrance for women. Oh, it's, it's, it's a perfume. It's not even like a real diamond thing. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, let's... And it's hilarious. Let's all pretend that didn't happen. This... Why... Exactly how is it that Fergie is the woman of the year, though? I know I'm placing too much emphasis on these things. She's a woman of the year? Blender magazine. That's why she's on there? And Blender is a... Oh, like, peeing herself and (laughs) having no talent? (laughs) That is why I love you, Sarah Dillon. That would be considered, you know... For peeing herself and having no talent, the award goes to... (laughs) Really, honestly... frustrates me. Really? And get rid of the goddamn eyebrow ring already. Good Lord, it's still there. It never goes away, yeah. ever. I would have thought she would have moved on. And she does that ugly thing of having the... We've all just become Mr. Blackwell now. Uh, that, that ugly thing of having rings all the way up her ear to the top, which really is hideous. Um, for peeing herself and having no talent. Really, if I ever did hug you, and I won't, but if I did, it would be for that. Would be for that phrase right there. Man, I want to hug you for looking at all these pictures of Goth Day at Disneyland. Aren't they fantastic? This is the greatest thing I've yeah. ever seen. Oh no, it's it's equal parts great and stupid. Um, this, this no, it's it's pretty dumb. And Blender is a really good music magazine, in my opinion, the best music magazine in America right now. And yet they give. I mean, I know that they're owned by the same company that does Maxim, so they have to put a chick on the cover. But please, woman, this is like Maxim actually last month, which um which made. Did I tell you this, that Sarah Michelle Gellar is the woman of the year? Yeah. yeah. And that was a bad cover, What too. with all of the exciting projects she did in 2007, like, and also... All right, here's Tim Riley. I just thought I'd bring that to you. Jesus. No, I'll read that later. Boy, that's terrible. Thank you. Well, now that the new year is upon us, Oregon's minimum wage will go up 15 cents, helping low-wage earners keep pace with inflation. Woo! Oregon's minimum wage will increase from 780 to 795 an hour, January 1st. Uh, the increase means an extra $312 a year for a total income of $16,539 to a full-time minimum wage worker. That is still below the $17,000 uh, poverty line. Yeah, that's the that's the irony of the minimum wage, is that if you work, quote, full-time at minimum wage, you're still below the poverty level in this country. Mm-hmm. Thanks, government. All right. Uh, this email says, Rick, there is no way that Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen or even Bob Saget or John Stamos hang out with Uncle Joey from Full House. I think this is just some made-up story he tells himself while crying and drinking on the toilet. 
I guess the girl who played Kimmy might be hanging out with him while he does this, but the rest of the story will sound highly implausible. Did yes. you see pictures of Bob Saget hanging out with the Olsen twins, though? Yes. I think we yeah. know what that's about. Right. I think he showed his true colors on Entourage. I do. I do think he does. Don't he's, so. a, he's a dirty man. Don't he you have my daughters, man. Vince? But he does it very well. He does. No, he was, uh, well, you know, he... Nobody it, would give him a chance as a dirty man, and he was very upset about it for the longest time. But you know what? I, I don't fault that guy for doing Full House, because you know this as an actor, Tim. I mean, you Money, find, money, money. Oh, yeah. Well, and even when it was on, didn't he, wasn't he known for his, like, raunchy comedy? Totally. Doesn't matter. Yeah. No, that's the thing. You can do whatever you want in Hollywood. Nobody knows what you nope. do outside of town. Nope. And, it, you know, it is, you know, bread and butter, man. You find a show that's, you find a steady gig, especially one with residuals, you take it. No mm -hmm. questions asked. That's why. Like, as much as I, I don't watch bad sitcoms or really any sitcoms anymore, and some of the really terrible ones come to mind, like, um, God, like Two and a Half Dads or Two and a Half Men or whatever the hell that show is, and, boy, Reba. I accidentally watched about nine minutes of Reba yeah. the other day. Because um, I, I, I had paused the TiVo or something like that, and I think if you leave the TiVo paused for more than half an hour, it starts playing or whatever. But I was in the kitchen doing something or other, and I paused the TiVo. And then it caught up to itself, the buffer, and it just started playing. Anyway, and it was Reba. And I was like, in the middle, I was, my hands were wet, or I was washing something, and I had to clean up and then go back after the. And so I got to hear just a couple minutes of the Reba show. Boy, that is just, it is toe-curlingly bad. The Reba sitcom is among the worst things that, and we got this list of the 25. Is there a laugh track? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been sweetened all to hell. Um, I mean, there's multiple layers of laugh track on that. And every time... Anything, anytime there's a laugh moment or any any so-called punchline, Reba does this. You can tell that she's just, she can't really act all that well, despite her role in Tremors, which was actually really good. But you can tell that was like a fluke because she can't act. And so her response is, anytime there's a laugh line, her response is to mug for the camera. So like anytime someone says anything remotely amusing... And that's all that they ever get Maybe on the show. Maybe that's the cue for the laugh track button guy. She kind of bugs out her eyes and goes like, Wah! and sort of like, you know, does a big sort of, Wah! Wah! like with her with her expression. Um, she does have really buggy eyes. She's ugly, too. Boy, goddamn, she's weird looking. She looks like a frog with red hair. I mean, it's terrible. Um, she does look like the WB frog. She does. Anyway, so, and, and but I'm watching Reba, and then I think to myself, who are these poor people that have to that probably did like Shakespeare at Summerstock, and now they're on the show? But you know what? You can't begrudge it because it's a paycheck, man. That show's been on for like seven years. So yeah. God bless them. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Now we're going to talk about the uh, the tiger thing again. Uh, the two brothers recovering from that tiger attack that killed their friend have a history of brash behavior. The court records show the brothers who were arrested early this year for public drunkenness and one resisted arrest. Cecilia Vega of the San Francisco Chronicle says evidence indicates at least one of the men may have climbed the wall of the tiger's den. It certainly is a very gruesome scene. There was blood on the other side of the wall, on a sign on the other side of the fence that separates the visitors from the tigers. But the police did find a shoe print on the fence that could indicate that maybe these youngsters had climbed the wall. Is Scotty editing for Metro Source? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cecilia Vega be. says it appears the tiger leaped the 12-foot wall and attacked the three men. The uh, zoo officials are telling us that there's no way that the zoo door uh, was left open. That would be the door that the zookeepers access to feed the tigers. Uh, they say that they checked that with investigators and it was locked and closed when the zoo was closed on Christmas Day. Well, it turns out the uh, the tiger wall is a little bit too low anyway. If she grabbed onto something, it could have been a ledge. She had to have jumped. How she was able to jump that high is amazing to me, but you know, it's, an, it's an exotic animal. 
So uh, the zoo director says uh, the enclosure dimensions he has in his file are incorrect. We have gone out there and personally measured them. The height of the, of the wall on the moat on the public side is 12 feet, 5 inches high, and the width of the moat is 33 feet wide. I was, uh, oh, I can't find it. I don't know where it went to. I was, I was just as you were talking about this. I was desperately trying to find. It's not, it's not going to be funny now. Even, if, even if I can find it, it's not going to be funny. I was trying to find that you're in the lion's den, sounder. Good, because I have another lion story. I don't know where the hell I put it though. I don't know where. I don't know where it went to. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. So I was reading this other story today that was in the paper that there was a fatal mauling at the Oregon Zoo. By a lion in 1970, a bunch of crazy kids decided that they were going to prove their manhood. And go into Guess where? Guess who won? Uh, the Oregon Zoo, so won, apparently, they hopped the fence, which started as a drunken lark. First, they started in the penguin quarters, then uh, they earned a few laughs, and they slipped and uh, slid under the birds. And then somebody moved near the bear's den. Of course, uh, one of the kids uh, chastised the other one, but it didn't stop him, and one passed the lion exhibit... So this fellow named Adams dangled his legs over the wall. The lions quickly swept Adams into the pit. So his friend was uh, ran to get some help to the zoo office. The attendant came out, saw what was happening, and called police. But the attendant shut his office door and did nothing more. You're in the lion's den! So the lion backs off, and two guys uh, threw trash into the pit to keep them at bay. But uh, let's see, then the lion paced toward the guy who was originally in there. He yelled to his friends, goodbye, Kenny. <laughs> really? And that was the end. Oh, my God, he ate Kenny. I'm sorry. Kenny is dead. It's... Well, this happened in 1970. You're in the lion's den. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick. Scott. Hey. Hi. Hey, uh, I had a question for you about yes, Dave Coulier. Okay. Where I have heard. At the top? Wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, God. Let me, just, let me sit down. Hold on. All right, yeah, sit down now. No, right. you know where this is going. Here, I'll let you take this. No, right. no, he wants to tell you, Rick. What? Hey, yes. Either of you might know, but I had heard that... that no, uh, you aren't going to say... Are you, are you serious? Are you really asking this question? Yes, I'm asking this question. No. No, no, you. No, no, no. We know what you're going to say. Hold on a second. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Just a second. Now, here's the thing. You are calling up to ask a question about Full House star Dave Coulier, correct? Yes, yes, I am. All right. Here's the thing. We will answer the question for you, but I'm going to put you on hold. Here's the thing: is we're going to take a random caller from the audience who will answer the question. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. So Scott is calling up right now. With a question about Dave Coulier, it's, it's, and I'm looking at the screen here, and it says a pop culture, a pop culture question for Rick, and it is a pop culture question about Dave Coulier. So here's the thing. We're going to take a random caller from the audience right now. Should we put some theme music underneath it? Uh, let's not quite yet, because I want to see if the, if the, if the audience uh, can, can figure out both Everybody the question knows. and the answer without being told. Here's the thing. If you can call up and correctly both guess his question and give us the correct answer... Uh, we'll give you a, uh, we'll give you a copy of Rush Hour 3 on DVD. Bottom hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, can I get a copy of Rush Hour 3 if, if they can't get it right? Yes. As a matter of fact, yes. If the callers do not correctly identify your question and answer, 
and don't go changing it just you to win something. It. Don't be a jackhole. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm uh, so we'll take a caller at 503-733-2970. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold, sir. Don't go anywhere, okay? Okay. All yeah. right. Stay right there. Uh, let's see. We'll just take the first call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Do you believe you have anticipated this caller's question, and do you have the answer? I do, and I do. Okay. Hold on a second. What's your name, sir? Deacon. All right. Oh, Deacon, stay right there. Uh, all right. Scott? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so this caller, Deacon, is now going to guess what your question was, and then he will attempt to answer it. And if he does both those things correctly, he'll win a copy of Rush Hour 3 on DVD, uh, where Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker say bonjour to Paris in this high-stakes action comedy. Uh, if he does not get those things correct, sir, you will win the DVD. All right, Deacon, go ahead. So, Rick, is it true that Dave Coulier uh, once dated Alanis Morissette? And yes. All right. Is, uh, is Wait, the, no, but what, the, what's the, the clincher? But what is the clincher of the uh, of him dating Alanis Morissette? What's the real? Oh, and uh, the song you ought to know was written about him. All right, sir Scott, was that your question? Congratulations, Deacon. You're the winner of a Rush Hour Three DVD. Compliments of AM nine seventy. Excellent. Thank you. Um, thank you, Scott. He was also Alanis Morissette's first lover, and they met at a hockey game. Really? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Scott, thank you. And Deacon, uh, you're on line two. Richie will get your uh, information. Richie, take down the caller two. Line two, there, his info. Thank you. And thank you, Scott. I'm glad we could help you there. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Radio program. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Uh, we'll give away a copy of Kissology Volume 3. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Oh, by the way, while I'm thinking about it, uh, Sarah Lara bought this for you while she was in Utah. She stopped at a, uh, a Goodwill Books there because she was desperately looking for some reading material that wasn't about Joseph Smith and everybody's trek across the Rockies. Uh-huh. She bought this for you. It's uh, from Fawcett Gold Metal Books, the mark of quality. Yes, it's Creole Surgeon by Mitchell Kane. There you go. I don't know what that is. It's a terrible romance novel featuring a swashbuckling doctor with a bare chest. Thank you, Lara. Yeah. All right. Ooh, Paul Abbott had been a brilliant young American medical student in Edinburgh until he found himself an outlaw running from the police for a crime he had not committed. Uh-huh. It's very sexy. The guy in the, in the front looks just like Rob Lowe in a flouncy pirate shirt. He is wearing a flouncy pirate. He's shirt. wearing the puppy. He's wearing the puppy shirt. And there he is shooting somebody in his pirate shirt. I think he's shirt. holding a musket of some kind, and then in the background, like all romance novels. And there's a giant blonde woman, and then a bunch of little men. It's got like all the books of that genre, though. It's got like four different things happening at once on the front. It's got him staring off into the sunset with piercing blue eyes. It's got like him wooing a woman in the background, and then uh, and then he's probably fighting some sort of indigenous people. So uh, was Michaela, the beautiful quadroon mistress of a man whose life he'd once saved. There you go. So there you go. Enjoy reading Creole, Creole Surgeon. It's stinky. He makes the gumbo. He gets the ladies. Oh, my gosh. Creole Surgeon. There's a recipe in the back. Is there an ancient recipe card? Choco satin frosting. So it's all yellowed. So the last woman who read Creole Surgeon enjoyed making choco satin Judy, frosting? By Judy Heineman uh, and Betty Haynes and oh, Better Homes and Gardens. Boy, that is... Combined chocolate, water, and sugar. That's a little cultural artifact right there. 
That just tells you so much about this the people. This is yellowed who... too. Look at that. Well, that's because it's been well used. It's been much loved. That's both. As was the book itself, I'm sure. So that was used both as a recipe card and as a placeholder in Creole Surgeon. The, uh, glorious Bastard of the Year pile. Yes. A recipe for Chaco Satin. Maybe they can just win Judy Creole Heineman. Surgeon itself unless you want to read it. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, biodegradable coffins are here. Uh, Cynthia Beale. To, wants... go, to go with your biodegradable corpse? Yes. Uh, Cynthia Beale wants to be an Oregon cherry tree after she dies and has everything to make it happen. A body not yet dead. A burial site in a biodegradable coffin. Veal says she's, uh, it is composting at its best. She is the owner of the Naturally Burial Company, which sells a wide variety of eco-friendly burial products. It's opening up next year. Biodegradable coffins are part of a larger trend toward natural burials. They require no formaldehyde embalming, uh, cement vaults, chemical lawn treatments, or laminated caskets. Uh, some people say such burials are less damaging to the environment. Uh, cremation was long considered more environmentally friendly than burials in graveyards because its use of fossil fuel has raised some concerns. Eco-friendly burials have been popular in Britain for years, but industry experts say it's starting to catch on in the U.S. Why not be buried in a biodegradable coffin? So maybe maybe become a new sponsor. Is that from Eco R.I.P.? <laughs> Sorry. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, this is Jay. How you doing? Hello, hi. Um, you were talking about that artificial snow. You just add water. And yeah, it's, I think it's up in my office. I don't think I left it down here. You, you, you add water, and then it becomes snow, and it says that it's actually cold, too, and then it lasts for like four days. Well, what's the stuff made out of? My, I, my wife? I don't know. Probably something lethal. Yeah, my wife wants to get it for my kids, and it's like, that just sounds like a bag full of chemicals. Yeah, I'm sure that it is. But you know what chemicals really are? Chemicals are your friends, sir. Okay. Um, one other thing. Uh, the other day you were talking about the ship that wouldn't sink. Did anybody ever answer that for you? The ship that wouldn't sink? The boat that you can cut in half and stand ten people on it and it still won't go down? Is this like the time we interviewed porn star Haley Page? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, they've designed some boat that, yeah, you can literally cut it in half. and it, that makes yeah. those. All right, in case I wanted to pick one up. Hey, they're great boats. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. Okay, bye. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, you former Angelinos, this will shock you. First of all, we know the Tower Records closed down. That was like the record store. Now, is Tower Records the chain gone or just the one in L.A.? I think the whole chain's gone by now. Boy, that really is. I mean, I understand why it happens. I mean, the shifting marketplace and, you know, capitalism and new technology, and it's neither good nor bad. I suppose it just is. Um, uh, but it was not the biggest music store in L.A. No, I know, uh, I know which one you're talking about, too. The Virgin Megastore is closing its doors. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. I mean, I, I've only spent a limited amount of time in that store, but, I mean, it was just it's huge. It was, un, it was massive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, a, it was a fixture. It really was. Yep. It, um, it was a big place to go on first dates yeah. because they had a place outside where you could eat and drink coffee. I mean, it was like three stories, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So they say it's rent increases like it wasn't high before, so that's what they're saying. Uh-huh. Uh, so the L.A. store is likely to close out at the end of January, and New York's Union Square Megastore will follow in 2009. Boy, that's big, too. You know, who was it that just bought the Virgin, Virgin, Virgin chain? Somebody just bought hmm. the whole Virgin, you know, company, the corporation, and I forget who it was, but it, it did even... God, it's going to bug me now. There's some corporation that just bought the whole Virgin outfit, and it surprised me when they did it because, like, 
Why would you? It just seems like a failing enterprise at this point. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Now, record stores as such, I mean, you know, and really, I mean, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, because they advertise, but places like Jackpot Records and whatever, those places, and, you know, and the, you know, Terry Couriers of the world, those guys will survive because they're small enough and personable enough and flexible enough to give customers what they want. Again, like I was talking about, you walk in there and they've got, like, handmade ornaments designed by a local band for your tree, or they got that, uh, the Nirvana Bleach record, uh, the original run of Bleach on vinyl. Virgin, though, I mean, that's just a, it's big, but it's a big cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all yeah. record store, and the, those those are just gone. The days of it, those it, things... It was the only place where you could go and listen to anything before you bought it. That is true. But you can do that at home now. That's that's the thing. That you, was their big thing. You can do that at home, and again, you can do it, you go to CD Game Exchange, you go to Jackpot Records, you do the same thing. The Virgin Megastore no longer has any discernible advantage over the internet, certainly, or over even smaller record stores. I mean, those places are just money-losing propositions. So. so it leads you to wonder, where are the artists going to go for, well, I guess what they call signings. signings. Yeah. Where are they going now? I don't know. Um, I, it's weird. I, this is probably a conversation for a different day. But I wanted to ask All them. All right, we'll do it Monday. I'm just saying. Uh, we, but we can talk about it here, and then we'll talk about it again later when people are listening. Um, when the Nickel Arcade guys first came in the studio, I wanted to ask them, and I never got around to it, but I wanted to ask them what it's like to be in a band these days. Because those guys are clearly... I'm not going to say they're pinning all their hopes to it, but they clearly take their career seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they care about putting out a quality product. They play shows. They, you know, they, they, they're very into networking and pressing the flesh, as they say. And, they, you know, they're, you know, they're Giving obviously... Giving these men CDs for Christmas? Yes. Summer. They're making, a, you know, they're making That's friends. That's the flight of the Concords that I love. They're making friends in the right places. They're, you know, they're obviously giving it a go. But, but it's like, it was always a long shot to make it in the music industry. I mean, being a successful... Let's say, you know, the, the, the run-of-the-mill successful rock star. And the same for acting. That was always like a one in 100,000 proposition. I mean, in all of the steps that you would go through. You know, if you're a band, you know, I just read this Slash autobiography, which is, it's a little long for my taste, but it is pretty fascinating because he talks about the whole, you know, everything, the getting the band together, and then that band breaks up, and they get another band together, and it breaks up, and then you finally get the right combination of guys, and then you play shows, and, you know, and, and then you finally finagle the attention of an A&R guy, and then you try to get signed, and then you try to get a producer, and then the mixing, and that guy from Semisonic who wrote that book, which is probably the best book, rock book I've ever read, talked about this, and then then it's like, can you get the video played somewhere? Can you get the single played anywhere? And then it's like luck of the draw that maybe, is there even a radio format left that plays uh, the, the music you're creating? And there are a lot of scam artists. I noticed one in the back of uh, one of the weeklies. We'll get you radio airplay. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's... Please, please. That's like the oldest trick in the book. Uh, How can you fall for that? Would you like your poetry set to music? Uh, so song poems. It's just it was always such a crap. Even at the height of the record industry's power, like you want to say the '80s, it was almost an impossible proposition to make it as a rock star. I mean, it was like winning the lottery. But I can't even imagine what it's like now, uh, because, because you have to constantly be on tour. Yeah, and, and, you're, and you're lucky to have a, a couple of good singles off an album. And that's but the, nobody's going to buy your album. No, and the only way you're going to make any money is by touring. The record industry no longer has the financial wherewithal to push you the way they did. Record industry can't. Uh, the record industry doesn't control the radio industry the way they used to. You know, radio used to really be beholden to the record industry. 
Um, people thought that the, the record industry depended on radio, and I guess they did to some degree. But I mean, the record industry really held all the cards for a long time because they were the they were the spigot. You know, they were the outlet through which all the music came. And the first to break it, the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, that is true. No, that's true. The first to break it were the Dixie Chicks uh, because they circumvented traditional outlets. Um, you know, and then things like that Radiohead uh, deal that doesn't help the record industry. Not that I'm shedding tears for the record industry, but I mean that doesn't help them certainly. Um, it's just it's got to be nerve wracking to be in a young band right now that is trying to do it for a career. And I think at this point, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, another day we may do a whole little segment where we talk to bands about this because we have a lot of bands who listen to us. And I think you must now, if you're in a band, you must have to go into it with the idea that. In a best-case scenario, you'll get by. I mean, I think that you can no longer go into it going, and we are going to be billionaires because it's just not going to happen. But the technology itself has gotten cheaper. Yeah. You can do a lot more do-it-yourself. So so basically, most of your time and energy is, is spent on marketing, whatever that might be. But see, that's the thing. But it's like, how do you... Do you get this feeling sometimes, though, with, with um, I don't mean to sound like every old guy, but with YouTube and MySpace and you know all the iTunes and all that, it's like anybody can put out... A really with technology the way it is, and you know, and and all of that, very cheap. Anybody can put together and put out a really quality sounding CD. I mean, I, although I cannot mention the name of it or direct you anywhere to find out more about it, I put together and put out. I mean, I had some amazing people helping me. A fantastic band, great producer, great engineer. But I mean, you know, for a budget of not that much. For a budget of, you know, uh, that entire project cost me, like, what Guns N' Roses catering bill is for, like, half of one gig 20 years ago. That totally sounds like this band that I know about called the Wonderstrucks who did this. <laughs> I don't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, that is really... That's Where am I going to find on. out more? I, I don't know anything about that. Well, Tim, that. they're in my top friends on my MySpace page. If you just want to go to MySpace.com forward slash. Forward slash. I'm going there right now. Oh, there they are. The Wonderstrucks. Thank the Wonderstrucks. I don't know. MySpace.com forward slash The Wonderstrucks. There you go. I don't know about that. That sounds wonderful. I'll do it today. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> anyway. What? Uh, what? But you could, there's so many people out there. And it's like you, you get. It sounds dumb, but I got like that chocolate rain guy, Tazon Day. You, it, it, it's like the internet is slowly becoming this thing where everybody is equal. There are no financial barriers to making a record, no financial barriers to making a video, not really. Um, and so the internet is almost becoming this place, though, where it's just, just everybody is. Like, there are no longer. There's no longer any audience. In other words, no one is. No one is now an audience for things anymore. Everybody has their own project. And so it's like a room where a hundred people all have their own project and they're all busy just trying to sell stuff to each other. Um, it used to be, like if you think of the, if you think of, of the music world as a room with a hundred people, in that room three people had records to sell and 97 people were there to buy the record. Now, in that room, 99 of the people have a record to sell. And that's all they're interested in doing is pushing their own product. And, like, there's one guy left who's who's out there to buy stuff. So the audience is tiny, and the number of people selling stuff is huge. So cutting through and, and cutting through the noise and getting noticed has just got to be impossible for a band now. And you're right that the only way they'll make money is being on tour. Boy, I mean, if I was in a band like Kiss or Led Zeppelin or even somebody like Madonna, I'm looking at my calendar and my watch right now and just breathing a hearty sigh of relief that I made my money before this all happened. I mean... 
you know, they got in, they got in and made their money while the getting was good because it's never going to be that good again, ever. Never going to be like that again. And so they do it in several towns and they just push everything out in casters back into a truck and go on to the next place. Yeah. Everything's prefabricated and it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it has to be almost the way it was, you know, I don't know, for like the early days of, of, of rap where it was just selling stuff out of the trunk of your car from town to town. You know, or how independent film used to be. Because, you know, independent film didn't used to be in multiplexes. It would be like Roger Corman loading up his film stock and his posters in the back of his Packard and driving from town to town and showing, you know, his some independent film at a theater and then packing all his stuff up and driving to the next town. Well, that's because the studios made it easy. And SAG would finally sanction smaller productions. They used to just deal with big studios. Then they realized, that, wait a minute, these are all... You know, we can't keep half of our people working right. with these major productions, so we have to open it up to everyone. You know, you mentioned the Virgin Megastore, and the last thing I'll say about this is you were talking about where bands going to do signings now. An interesting marketing campaign is uh, Nikki Six from Motley Crue. He has this new band called 6AM who are really good. And he put out this record called The Heroin Diaries, and he had this brilliant marketing idea. I'm not saying he made the whole thing up. Only he knows that. But he has this great gimmick that he's pushing. He has this CD called The Heroin Diaries. And the CD, which it's a full album, it's a fantastic record, by the way. Um, it is presumably the soundtrack to a book he is pushing called The Heroin Diaries. So there's The Heroin Diaries, the book. And then there is The Heroin Diaries soundtrack, which is the CD. And so he is doing all of his stuff through Borders Books. He's not doing it through through music stores or Virgin Megastores because those plays aren't around anymore. So instead... You go to Borders Books under the auspices of seeing him sign copies of his book, but while you're there, hey, buy the CD that's the soundtrack to the book. So he has totally figured out a backdoor way to get that CD into the hands of people, and it's by piggybacking it on a book, for which they are still outlets, you know, in brick-and-mortar stores. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. So I'm talking about some other things that are going on. Another Metro Source news story. New Yorkers are looking forward to getting rid of bad memories from the past year and will head to Times Square for Good Riddance Day. This is apparently some popular celebration. Uh, Tim Thompson of the uh, Times Square Alliance said the annual event is steeped in tradition. Well, he did say that. Well, we heard about the tradition in Latin America where people write down bad things from the past year down on a piece of paper, things they want to get rid of in their life, and then they stuff it into a doll and they burn it. And we decided, well, it's probably not Creepy. a good idea to have a bonfire in the middle of Times Square. Okay. Well, this is the third day of the celebration of Kwanzaa. The third day of it. So apparently this is an <laughs> invented holiday that's, that's kind of like Hanukkah. Ayo uh, Hendi Kendi. <laughs> she has a hyphen between Hendi and Kendi, by the way. Oh, it's not a product. I thought it said handy candy. Handy candy. Explains the principle that uh, many African Americans are paying honor to today for this uh, created holiday. Apparently, the white man created it for us. For collective work and responsibility. To build and maintain our community together and make our sister and brother's problems our problems and to solve them together. Now, here's the None thing. None of that'll work. I... <laughs> Way to bottom line it. I was actually going to say, apart from the obvious, a reason that I will not be participating in Kwanzaa is I don't wish to make anybody else's problems mine. I got problems of my own. Friend, solve it yourself. Okay? And I, that goes for... If it takes a whole village to raise a child, keep them in your village. And that's, I was just going to say. The, and that goes for all people of all creeds, nationalities, colors, persuasions, ethnicities, religions, whatever. 
Keep your problems to yourself, leave my problems to myself, and we'll get along fine. You know when people start disliking other people? When we insist that their problems have to become mine. Not so much. Just, you know, everybody just leave me alone. That goes for everyone. Who is she? Who is that woman you just interviewed? Ayo Hendy Kendi. But I mean, who She's is the she? uh, spokeslady for Kwanzaa. Really? I don't know if that's an elected position. <laughs> Does you apply for that job? I suppose she'll probably t turn up on all these talk shows. Well, okay. Ask for it personally. That's E.O. Hindi Kendi. Except no imitations. Ask, ask for it by name. Well, it's time to go to East Grand Rapids. Why not? Uh, this is also from Metro Source. The uh, so-called dirty doctor of East Grand Rapids has been sentenced to ten and a half years in prison. Dr. Stokes has caused a public health scare for the people of East Grand Rapids. Over medical supplies, he received no patience from his former patients. I should say no what? sympathy. He received no sympathy <laughs> from his former patients. I have no problem saying in court or anywhere else that I have contempt for the doctor. I mean, he's a bad man. Okay. He exposed 10,000 patients to hepatitis and HIV for his unsanitary practices. Oh. I think justice has been served somewhat. He's going to be off the streets. He's off the streets of East Grand Rapids. <gasps> I'm sorry. What happened? McRib is so back. Uh -oh. Listen to this. All right. This is from Wing. You know Wing. Mm -hmm. Tara, do we know Wing? Oh, we know Wing. This is uh, for those who don't know Wing. It's time to know where Wing. Where is she? I, uh, where isn't she, I think, is the more appropriate question, Sarah. Where isn't Wing? I, uh, if you don't have some Wing, I do. I guess we don't technically need it for this. Oh, no, I got it. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I don't think I have Oh, no, any. somebody took Wing out. I don't think I have any Wing over here. Really? Well, somebody in any is sabotaging our Wing. Okay, well, in any event, listen to this. Listen to what's on Wing's website. Buy any two full-price CDs and pay just $3 more... I can't believe this. This is the best news I have ever heard. I am, I, incidentally, I am. Thank you. There you go. This is so exciting. I've never been more excited about anything. Incidentally, I'm. I'm calling uh, Radio Dibs on this entire thing right here. Joke copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. Listen to this. This is from Sarah. Sarah, somebody sent this to me. Buy two full-price CDs and pay just $3 more, and Wing will sing to you live over the telephone. Wing will sing to you or to anyone of your choice. I am totally... That's how you'll make a, a freaking Lars birthday. Well, no, no, no. And what, Tim, you know what, what did Tim just say about it's all about marketing and finding new ways to make money? $16, and then you pay 3 bucks more, Wing will sing to you over the telephone. And what do you want to bet that spikes her sales like 80%? Are right. there any limitations? Like uh, one call per family? Uh, what's that? Yeah, what are the stipulations? I, I pro well, I don't know. Let me find out. continuously, wouldn't you? Let me find out. Hope Make her sing forever. Limit. Sing for me, Wing! Sing for me! Uh, all right, here we go. Were you pulling a Phantom of the Opera? Let me, no. Let me read the uh, details here. Um... Okay, so now there's there, you have to choose from a list of songs, but she will sing to you live over the phone. Uh, buy any two full-price CDs and pay just $3 more, and Wing will sing for you live over the telephone or for a friend. Um, let's see, and then there's a whole... Um, when the order is complete, send an email to Wing to make your booking for the live song, date, time, song title. She will confirm arrangements with you. Sure, <laughs> um, She can sing Christmas songs. 
Right now, for the holidays, it's limited to Santa Claus is coming to town, jingle bells, or happy birthday to you. How do we know it's her and not an imposter? I... Yes. Are we guaranteed that this is the actual Wing? Wing would not lie to us. Wing would not deceive How us, do we Kim know? Riley. If she's a bright businesswoman. Wing's becoming kind of money-grubbing right now. Really? By the way, she's got her new CD out. Musical Memories of Les Mis and Phantom of the Opera, as sung by Wing. The Phantom of the Opera. Okay, that's the song. Can she please sing it? Inside my mind. Well, it's not on the list, but maybe if we pay her more, she'll sing a song of our choosing. That Tim is totally right. This is how bands are going to make money in the future. You know, like Nickel Arcade will come to your house and play a song for you Live for twelve dollars. Hey, Nickel Arcade, take that idea right now. For twelve bucks, you'll go to somebody's house and play one song and leave. It's genius. I mean, well, you know what? It's just you know what it is. It really is a sort of minimizing of what bands have been doing for some time, like. Uh, you know, you know, like you'll hear about bands and musicians and uh, comedians who do private gigs for companies, you know, or for a, a wedding or a bar mitzvah or whatever, you know, whatever it is. You, we're going to hire you to come and perform at our company Christmas party for twelve thousand dollars. And like, you know, Bob Dylan comes in and he sings two songs and they cut him a check and then he leaves. That's you know, that is where the money is to be made. We ought to start doing that. We ought to offer to just go and do twelve minutes of our show in someone's living room for like a hundred bucks. That's uh, a great idea. Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Oh hey, I just uh, I just tuned in a bit ago and heard you talking about all the bands, gimmicks yeah. and all. Yes, sir. Um, oh, it was a few years ago. I was down in Dallas with some friends uh, out on tour, and we met a band. We met a group of guys that that played the show, and the gimmick that they had pulled off, they, and they managed to make it work. Um, they got onto a bunch of just forums, online boards, wherever, and they they hyped up the band in comparison to bands that were already popular uh-huh. in the local scene. And, and hey, have you heard about this so-and-so? Have right. you heard about this band? And everybody wanted to pretend. Everybody wanted to think that, you know, hey, yeah, I'm an on-the-ground floor. Right, right, right. And so they it's... hyped it up so much, their first show was a sellout based on them. Well, that's, see, that's pretty great. You got That's like how Studio 54 did this thing where, legendarily, where Studio 54, for like the first couple weeks they were open, they would... Turn on the music inside, so you could hear the music kind of thumping. But then they would just put up a sign saying, full, no admittance. And they'd put up a red rope for like two right. weeks. No one was inside. It was empty. They just put up a sign on the door saying, disco, full. And then the first day they took that sign off, there was a line around the block. Yeah, and the same thing works for me. As uh, and the more the more clientele I can build up and tell them that they have to wait, they think it's something worth waiting for. Excellent. All right. I make an appointment with them. They can't walk right in. They just need to wait. Of course. Well, you know what? Right. Scarcity uh, drives demand. It really does. Right. Radio can't help much these days, but if you know how to build hype, you can you can do whatever you want. Thank you, sir. Good and yep. good good luck to you, my friend. Oh yeah. Right, Thank there you. There we go. Thank you. I, I thanks for throwing in the phrase "radio can't help much." Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Sponsored show. by the Radio Advertising Bureau. <laughs> Hi, CBS brings you this important message about radio. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey Rick, how you doing? What's up? This is Steve, the big guy in the yellow coat. Um, I when I hear you say the heroin diaries, I automatically think of the basketball diaries uh, or the nanny diaries. Right. If you live yeah. with my wife, yeah. But I, but I, I have to say, um, back in the '80s, the reason I you know I, I one of the best albums ever is Jim Carroll, uh, Catholic Boy. Yeah. And it's got people who died. And sure. the reason I went to go buy the I read the book strictly because I wanted to know more about all these stories he was telling on the album. 
So I was just going to say the Nikki Six thing is not without precedent. Uh, I suppose it has, you know, has been done. Um, if you are a fan of, um, I was going to say Motley Crue, but it actually doesn't even sound anything like Motley Crue. They've the single from the from the Heroin Diary soundtrack is called Life Is Beautiful. Uh, and I know it's in some terrible film, some teen horror film that's coming out now, and it's getting, I know KUFO is playing it. It really is, I paid money for it. It's actually quite good. Um, so I would strongly recommend it. The Heroin Diaries book is a little pricey. It's like 35 bucks in hardcover, so I'm going to wait till it's in, till it's in paperback. Um, but, you know, I admire anybody who, who finds a way to sort of circumvent the woes ailing the record industry right now. So, and it doesn't surprise me that Nikki Six lifted that from Jim Carroll, because Nikki Six, God love him, he is a relentless marketer and he has never been shy about stealing things from other people. No, he, he's like the next generation of Gene Simmons, yeah. really. No, he is great. I mean, he, he has always been the brains behind Motley Crue and he is a relentless self promoter and he's excellent at it. So, uh, okay, well, have a good day, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate Bye. that. All right. Um, hey, I hate to do this. Can we ring the bell for Richie, please? Or do, should I play the... Uh... You should play it. All right, let me just... Oh, Richie. Proud Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. By, By Odeon. Please, and we'll get Steve Kastenbaum here in just one second. It's quite fun. Why... Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you today? Good. That's quite a shirt you're wearing today. Kind of glittery. Is that for like when you have to go, uh, like be in some sort of Jim Cotta deathmatch kickboxing tournament? What later? is that? Mortal Kombat. The dragon, I think. Does it have watches? You know, you never and catch rings. the dragon. And rings? That's actual diamonds. That is the gaudiest shirt I have ever seen in my life. I don't know. It's a shiny dragon surrounded by bling. That's really the only way to put that. And then it's got rhinestones on it. Wow. <laughs> you really do make that work, but no one else on earth could do that. Good for you. Well, thank you. Hey, I hate to be this guy. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Why? Why okay. can we not take Steve? No, no, no. I hate... No, we're going to take Steve. Okay. Richie, you bring in some coffee creamer. Oh. I do it myself, but we we got to do this, and then we're wild from a you're break. You're working. This is I'm sorry, I, but I hate to be that guy. No, you're not that guy. All right. Thank you. Anytime, if you could anytime. bring us some creamer, that would be fantastic. I makes me feel like a douche. Uh, well, Richie's very cool about that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastamon. Hello, sir. How are you? That was funny. Yeah, I just I hate to be that guy. Normally, I try to get all my own stuff and whatever, but, you know, sometimes you just need creamer for your coffee. What can you do? Hey, uh, can you get my car washed while I'm on the air? Oh, man. I would. Let me. Can I just tell you this? Everybody has a story like this. Undoubtedly, Tim does as well. I had a general manager. And keep in mind, this was, I won't, oh, it's so tempting to just, it's so tempting just to say who it was. Just to, just to out them for the bastard that they were. Um, I had, this is years ago, and I was a program director at the time. I was a PD at the time, and I had a general manager. She did, I won't say she ordered me, but she told me to go wash her car. Oh, my God. Really? Years ago. This is years ago, long time ago, different market, different state, different time of my life. Thank you, Richie. Um, as Richie brings me my creamer, um, she had... She wanted to let you know who the boss was. She, yeah, she had me wash her car. I mean, come on. And, of course, I mean, I say that I was a PD, but, I mean, it was early in my career, very young, um, you know, not, I won't say it was too young to be a PD, but, I mean, you know, I was very young when it happened. I sort of tripped, I sort of fell upwards, failed upwards into the gig. Um, you know, but, I mean, it's... You know, you just don't you don't do that. Even you know, it had nothing to do with me being a program director. You don't tell an employee to go wash your car. You just don't. That's what um, interns are for. Yeah, but really, honestly, yes. I mean, but much less someone who is, you know, a theoretical manager, a department head. I mean, it's just an unspoken 
known thing. Um, and, of course, I was driving, like, a piece of crap car. It was just a dirt heel car. And she was driving. It was like it was like a Mercedes or something. It was some luxury automobile. And she was like, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, was, I was getting ready to go to lunch or I was going out or something. And as I'm getting ready to go to lunch, she comes by my desk and she tosses her car keys onto my desk. And she says, hey, while you're out, do you mind just taking my car and kind of getting it washed for me? Oh, man. And it's like... You know, like everybody in radio, I was terrified. Then, as now, I was terrified of being fired. Uh, and so I'm like, uh, all right, sure. And, you know, and just so I went out and got her car washed, just seething, just hating her the entire time. The entire time, just imagining her being devoured by fire ants. Yeah, did you did you get back at her by doing something nasty? I, I wanted to. I really thought about it. I really did. I thought about doing something horrible. But the thing is, I didn't know enough about cars to to do something horrible without it immediately being detected. Like, I'm sure there was something subtle that would have shown up weeks later that I could have done then, but I didn't know what to do, so I never did anything. But, boy, I just seethed about that for months. I'm still angry about it. I'd kind of forgotten about it until I just until I just asked Richie to get coffee creamer for me. Uh, how's your life, Steve Kastenbaum? I've got a sore throat. Yeah, you, uh, you sound a little, a little raspy today, but, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I can't get, can't get rid of this thing. You know, it's been... It's been uh, pestering uh, me for a couple of days now. Well, you know, in New York, you're probably in the first stages of the zombie epidemic. <laughs> you're right. So uh, I would say uh, get an axe right now. Um, so, well, let's for a second, let's let's pretend that I know or care about sports for a second and talk about the Patriots-Giants because I am aware of what happens in popular culture even when I'm not really understanding it. And I know this is the thing the Patriots are like, well, they've won like 700 games in a row or something. <laughs> This could be, tomorrow, a 16th win, an unheard of 16th win in an undefeated season. The Miami Dolphins did it once before, but that was back when uh, they only played 14 games in a season. So they've already broken you know, that record by, by winning 15, but if they go undefeated tomorrow at 16, that's, that's just incredible. It's funny, I actually have some friends who are sports fans who uh, have talked about this, and they... it's weird when you talk about the Patriots to people right now, because they all kind of go, well, it's cool, but... It's kind of boring. It's like they're all, they all sort of recognize the historical significance, but they're all sort of like irritated by it, though, because it removes any suspense from any of the games, because it's just assumed at this point the Patriots will win. And you know what's really upsetting to us New Yorkers? It's, it's yet another team from the Boston area. You know, the Celtics are doing really well, while the Knicks are just horrible. <laughs> you know, the Yankees couldn't get anywhere near the World Series this year, and, and the Red Sox, well, we all know what happened there. Yeah. And now this, it's like, it's like New York and Boston have traded places. I, I hadn't really thought about it. Well, sorry. Uh, all right. And then just real briefly, I don't mean to bring the room down here, uh, but this sort of is similar to something that I have been following for a long time. I've been following these three guys in West Memphis, Arkansas, the West Memphis Three, um, who were convicted and in, in one case sentenced to, to death row for something they almost certainly didn't do. But you guys just had... Sort of a similar case where there was what is it? It was a, it was a guy who was a kid at the time, right? Somebody he they just he was been in jail for. Tell me, correct me on this case. A guy just got let out of prison there. He had been convicted falsely, as it turns out, of a double murder, and he'd been in prison for how long? Well, they're not saying falsely yet, but uh, the evidence is suggesting that somebody else did it. That his parents were murdered when he was seventeen, or he went to jail when he was seventeen, and uh, he had always maintained his innocence, said that the confession was coerced and he wouldn't sign the written confession. And in fact, it came out that detectives had lied to him and said his father had, awake, had awoken awakened from his coma right. and implicated the son in their murder. 
And that wasn't the case, you know. He, he lied about that, and the kids started thinking, well, maybe I blacked out, maybe I'm schizophrenic, I don't know. And he sort of confessed to it in that way, but then immediately took it back. Anyway, he was convicted, spent 17 years in jail. Uh. They just let him out because there's new evidence that suggests somebody else did it, and that he's either going to have the charges dropped or go through a new trial. Jesus. I mean, it's just it, it's unreal. And again, it, it bears such uncanny parallels to this West Memphis 3 thing that I've been following, where they just... You know, a couple weeks ago, revealed that none of the, you know, not one of the guys left DNA at the crime scene, of course, and the DNA from someone else is all over it. So it does make you wonder, every time this happens, or a case like that happens, you know, decades past, how many guys went to jail and were executed or just rotted away forever, uh, you know, because there just wasn't, there wasn't the technology, there was not the, uh, you know, the scientific wherewithal to show uh, guilt or innocence at that time. That's the argument against uh, the death penalty, that, you, you know, there, there's always the chance that you're putting an innocent person to, to death. Uh, just crazy. Um, just off off the beaten path for a second, before we kind of wrap this up, and you may not, uh, this is may not be something that's on your radar, Sarah has been following the case of this double suicide in is it in New York City? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, Steve and I had already talked about ah. this because he said they don't really talk about suicides, and it happened like months and months ago. But but there is a sort of a larger issue at stake. Well, anyway, so if it, I don't mean to be a big, it happened, it's all right. This one happened a while back, so I'm really not familiar with it. Uh, it happened uh, over the summer, I think. So I I can't recall all the details. Yeah, it's one of those stories that happened a long time ago. And now it's just being picked up. It's like this this art couple, and there's like some weird double suicide. And, like so they were saying that Scientolo like Scientologists were stalking that, them. Yeah, and they, stuff they, and that was their claim. So anyway, it's one of those things that's bubbling under that I did, Sarah. So I didn't know if you were privy to it or not, but I forget that you you and Sarah are like chat pals or something in the morning. We're buddies. So, we right. finally got a computer, a personal computer, so we can chat now. Yeah, yeah, we're not Facebook buddies anymore though, because I'm never going on that thing again. Because Facebook is Facebook. Fa well, did you now you did you know that whole thing about Facebook revealing yeah, all your purchases? She she uh, it was really funny because all of a sudden I realized that Sarah had bought a new pair of sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of yeah. stalking, all it was, right. It was so strange. All of a sudden, there was this ad there. There's like this this feature. It's called a news feed, and and certain things that your your friends on your list are doing pops pops up on the news feed. So they had this this thing embedded in certain websites where if a face member uh, a Facebook member bought something on a particular uh, partner website or a website that was participating in this advertising scheme. It would it would come up on their news feed, so any of your friends could see what you were buying. It was totally creepy, it too. Hard. I had no idea. And how could they not... Like, it's hard to imagine that they thought that was a good idea. Like, how did they not see the, the 5,000 different inherent pitfalls in that idea? Well, they got rid of it. People started complaining that, uh, you know, what if I was buying somebody a surprise gift? Yes, well, that's... and that, Which is all code that's for... what happened, wasn't it? Well, it's all code for what happens if I'm buying something for the secretary that I'm banging on the side. That's really what that means. But there was one guy who said that he bought his wife a diamond ring, and then it came up on his Facebook thing that he bought it for like 30%, you know, of, of market value at Overstock.com. Oh, <laughs> like he bought it from a yard sale online, basically. So, Jesus. Well, there you go. Uh, big weekend plan, Steve? Going to the Patriots game tomorrow, um, and I'm not a football fan. Well, have have fun for both of us then. Yes, I will. All right, my friend. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. So long, guys. Thanks. Happy New Year, by the way. You as well, my friend. Happy if we New don't Year. talk to you before uh, before Tuesday, have a happy New Year. We will speak to you uh, in the immediate future, no doubt. Sounds good. Thank you, my friend. Steve Katzenbaum from CNN. There you go. Excellent. Wonderful. He's a cool guy. He is. Uh, it's 503-733. Is he a MySpace friend of yours? No, Steve Katzenbaum doesn't do the MySpace. Who was it? Oh, it was Brian Blank. Yeah. That did MySpace. That's right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend from Nickel Arcade, Peter. Hello, sir. 
Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you, my Hi, friend? Hi, Peter. Are you, are you calling about the ailing state of the music industry? I am, actually, yeah. Uh, well, but the thing is, is, like, it's not so much that it's ailing, so much it's just very, very different. Um, I'll, I'll give you my take. Basically, uh, as far as, like, MySpace and, and music and file sharing is concerned, um, it's kind of equal parts good and bad, because what's good about it is um, you can get your music to anyone at any time so much faster and so much, I mean, there's... It's opened so many doors to so many different people, and someone, you know, some, some, you know, a lot of times now people, at, you know, A and R guys from record labels or scouts from record labels will just go online and kind of look around, and they really can kind of stumble into you. It's um, kind of, you know, the newer version of sending out press packs to record labels. Um, the other thing it's done is completely flooded the market because at this point now, any anybody who's, you know, who got a Fender Strat pack for Christmas is, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm in a punk band, and I'll check out my band, and blah blah blah. Right. You know, so there's still a lot of amazing music out there, and there's actually, in my opinion, more amazing music out there, but you have to sift through so much more crap to get to it. Um, but it is it is kind of harder in, in that way. The, the other thing about it that, um, that, that a lot of people, I'm not really sure if they think about it or not, but the, the biggest way to step apart, um, you know, if you can write if you can write a song, if you can write music, the biggest reason anyone's going to be interested in your band is to get some kind of personal connection. Um, and so kind of like what Tim was saying, you know, bands have just got to be on tour all the time now. I mean, that's basically true. It, it, it's kind of a way of, like, weeding out the people that don't really care about it that much. Right. You've got to be, you know, APB, you know, always be promoting. The biggest the biggest thing, you know, the kind of we, we always joke around with it at Nickel Arcade, but, you know, it's what did you do today to make your band the biggest band on the planet? Right. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's not that that's necessarily any of our goals, but that, um, you know, it's not like we're the greatest band in the world, but something that we really pride ourselves on is that, you know, we we talk to people anytime. You know, we play we play a show, whether it be you know a coffee house or a high school or you know or some or a bigger show or something. You know, we get online and we respond to the, our MySpace messages and we talk to people, and it's that um, you know you give somebody a story about your band and you be in touch with them and you well, just you know you get them, it's the same reason that it's the same reason that up until the day of the primary. You know, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton will be out there literally in the streets shaking people's hands and going door to door one by one because it's, you know, they say that all politics is local and all music now is retail, meaning it's all on the small scale. It's, it's promoting it, you know, mouth, word of mouth and hand to hand, so to speak. Well, yeah, well, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a stupid little thing, actually. I know we both ended up, the first time I, I ever met you, we ended up at the same Andrew W.K. lecture. Totally. And something that I, I mentioned to him was that before I'd ever heard any of his music, I wanted to because um, I had heard from a friend who saw him at Warp Tour a couple of years ago that he, when he's doing like an autograph signing or something, and he wasn't just like, you know, they bring you by a table and he's like, oh, hey, thanks for coming out and signed his name. I had a couple of friends who all went and he wrote like a little half page note in all the little Warp Tour, like, like, um, yeah. Uh, books for everyone. And seriously, there's, you know, a line of a couple hundred people who he just spent hours and hours and hours just signing people and, and, and talking to people and writing little notes about, you know, their shirts or thanks for coming out or about the day. There was this, like, he did this legendary thing at Wembley a couple years ago where he stayed after it, he was playing, I think it was Wembley and he was like a package bill with some other folks, but he, he was signing afterward. He was signing so late into the night that, like, they were closing up the, the arena and being like, okay, like, Andrew, you, you got to go home. And he actually, he, this is so great, there was a line of people still waiting for him to sign stuff. And as you said, he signs these, like, volumes to people. And so he actually led everybody on a big, like, march to a nearby fan's house 
and set up shop in the guy's kitchen and signed autographs for people in this dude's kitchen until like 4 a.m. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the, the bottom line is that um, it, it, you kind of, it's kind of like a sink or swim thing. Basically, it forces people to adapt and come up with new ideas and be creative and be, you know, basically, you know, what you're supposed to be doing anyways, um, you know, because you're a goddamn artist. <laughs> um, so I, I, I get a little frustrated with uh these bands just kind of expect it to happen to them, right? Uh, and they don't really try anything new. You know, you've, you're supposed to be doing these creative things. It just kind of forces people to uh, to come up with new ideas and to be adapting and to you know to put yourself out there in a way that uh, makes you interesting and makes you exciting. Not you know whatever the you know whatever record label's trying to shut down your throat this week. Well, because they're operating on a on a marketing strategy that's uh, you know was outdated five years ago and is going to be completely anachronistic in two years. Yeah. So. All right, excellent. Uh, Peter uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade, it is myspace.com slash sucks, correct? Yeah. Excellent. All right, thank you, my friend. Enjoy the uh, new year if we don't talk to you before then. Yep, bye, guys. All right, there you go. Peter from Nickel Arcade. Fantastic. What have you got over there, Sarah? Excellent. I love Enter WK. This is still my favorite song of his. Ah, it's fantastic. No, that's the first place I met Peter. We, Joni and I went to see Andrew WK to this sort of lecture town hall meeting, you know, Q&A thing that we went to. Andrew WK is so talented and nice and handsome and Don't you positive. Think, I love him. Don't you think you should put out a Christmas song? Yeah. I'm surprised if I'm he amazed hasn't. he hasn't. An Andrew WK Christmas. I have. I'm such a big fan, actually. I have his third album, which is a Japanese import only. They didn't release it in the States yet, uh, which is really interesting. It I does, only have his first one in The Wolf. Oh, The Wolf is fantastic. Yeah. I actually prefer that to the first one. Yeah. I dig that guy. And it's not just such a cliche, but he's huge in Europe. I mean, in Europe, the guy's just massive. All right, here's Andrew W.K. back after this on the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we got to play that Remembering Lacey song again. Tim didn't hear yes. that. Well, we didn't get to hear the whole thing. It kept getting broken up. We were denied the pleasure of the Tim? entire song. Yes, you're yeah. going to love it. Christmas come late for you. Hey, by the oh, way, I'd like, I'd like to thank Sarah and her family for providing these pamphlets from um, the Catholic Church, where we worship Cathal and all his teachings. I'm sorry, I stole that from Eddie Gizzard. Uh... This one is about pornography. Because really, when you want to know about pornography, the Catholic Church is the first place to go. Um, Did you know that pornography is used to create a situation in which an individual masturbates? Just like, in case you wanted to know. Um, And then it provides... And then it... Yes, it does. I'm reading word for word. Because Lord knows that, you know, men need a situation to be created for them to do that. It's not just a thing they can do with the drop of a hat. Um... And then, it, I will not read this, but it then does provide a helpful definition of masturbation in case you were unclear, like in case you thought Ew. it was making waffles or something. Wait, can I see it? What is it well, but first let me read this. That the church has always taught that that act is, quote, an intrinsically and gravely disordered action. Well, because it's not for baby making. Yeah, of course. Of course. Baby making really is, uh, that's the church's wheel out. Right there on the, uh, the right. 
Yeah. On the right. It does describe what it is. Like a plague, it sickens and even kills those who come in its path. It corrupts our vision of marriage, turns individuals into yeah. commodities, and lines like a plague. the coffers of the unscrupulous and immoral. Just like Ebola. All right. Well, that's wonderful. And by the way, all you really need to know about the Catholic Church at this point, so there are many pamphlets that Sarah brought. Um, are you saved? Same-sex marriage. Abundance through stewardship. Same-sex marriage again, pornography, abortion, and then... But this tells you all you need to know, that there actually is an entire pamphlet from the Catholic Church entitled How to Forgive the Church. Well, those are all things that people that like. Yeah, op opening line. If you've been hurt by someone in the church, forgiveness is probably the last thing on your mind. You may feel betrayed. Yes, you may feel betrayed. Oh, you may begin to look for another parish. We urge you not to do this. Of course. Just uh, because you can doesn't mean you should. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. I'm not hurting anyone. We've decided this is going to be her new theme song. I don't like this version. Yeah, this is the 1970 version. Oh, you're right. This I like this version. You, this is the one you asked for. All right, now I like it. Tim specifically requested the 1970 Mary Tyler Moore theme, not the 1972 version. Girl, this time you're all alone, but it's I have a Bitchin' Joan Jett version of this. All right, Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Hello, Susan Reynolds. Good afternoon. I love this song. You can never tell why don't you This really is one of the all-time... No, this is a great song. This is more upbeat. Susan, how do you feel about this? I am going to make it after all. Boy, Mary Tyler Moore was just hot as balls. She's just... Yeah. Okay. One of the most beautiful women oh, ever. Oh, man, she was really stunningly mm -hmm. beautiful. Now she looks like the Joker, but then, beautiful. <laughs> no, wow. it's true. No, she's, she's wearing a Mary Tyler Moore mask it's from 1970. A mask, a mask of her own skin. Um... She looks like the Joker, who in turn looks like Leona Helmsley. So well, it's like a whole. She had a few health issues, I think. Did and, she? Yeah, and um, was her face eaten off by termites? <laughs> no, but I think it affected her, let's say, skin tone. Did she have Michael Jackson? Did she have vitiligo or whatever? No, no, no. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's uh, some wrinkles and stuff, but you know, that's not a skin issue. That's just getting that's aging. Okay. I think that would be Betty White. Yeah. Boy, Betty White. Let me just tell She's you. She's on TV every five minutes. I'll take oldest woman I would still have sex with for a thousand. She's loaded. What? I would. Betty oh, White? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. And I speak for a lot of men, too. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Betty White, are you? I saw her on a pet a Petco ad the other day. Right. She's like 150. Uh-huh. I would still have relationships with Betty working. White. No, it's true. Uh, and you know she's got a mouth like a trucker, too. You just know that she is a terrible, vile, dirty woman. Well, remember on the show, when she was on, I think it was the Mary Tyler Moore show, she played this really sweet, innocent, and that uh, on TV, yeah. and then when she got off the air, she yeah. would go all the way vile. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, uh, it used to be Barbara Eden, but it's now Betty White. Okay. So I've, I've decided. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, anyway, hello, Susan Reynolds. Hello. I just wanted to stop in and wish you all a happy... Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Thank and you, uh, we are heading towards the glorious Bastard of the Year announcement on Monday. It is very exciting. Uh, any number of things, including but not limited to this bitchin' Fred Claus t-shirt. <laughs> that really is great. Tim, feel this shirt. You have to. because It's I, made I, of some space-age supple fabric. Ooh. You know, and See? if nothing else... It's very luxurious. It, it is. is. If nothing else, you could use it to wash your car because it would not scratch. No, it's you could use it as a... What is that? The chamois? A is chamois. that what called? It, it feels chamois. like... Um, you could uh, use this to yeah to do any number of things. It is very soft. I myself might wear this to bed tonight, and then give it away. 
Isn't that what they did with? Well, like Britney Spears. Isn't that with that Britney Spears thing the other day? They're selling that Britney Spears shirt for like seven hundred dollars. She's selling selling a bunch of her stuff on the internet. But somebody was saying they were complaining that it wasn't authentic because it didn't still have her, you know, scent lingering. Her scent from (laughs) Musk. Britney scent. (laughs) Whatever that would be. Horrible. Don't say Musk again, Rick. Just whore. (laughs) Sorry. Um, somebody, can I tell you this, that somebody gave me a t-shirt a few weeks ago that actually just, I can't wear it, but their heart is in the right place. It's a shirt from, um, it's like from Old Navy or something, but it's a shirt that just has huge letters on the front, it's time to musk up, mm. which is sort of funny, but I can never wear it. Um. Why can't you wear it? Because that's, because it's retarded. I mean, I'll wear it around the house. No, we perhaps, would love to I, see you in that here. I'm not going to wear that in public. Oh. Uh, all right. Uh, would you like to introduce Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth before we uh, b- before we uh, move on? Oh, I would be quite honored. Any other thoughts? Big plans for the holiday? No, you know, I kind of don't like to be out on New Year's Eve. To me, the perfect night would be, you know, cooking a nice dinner, renting a bunch of movies, and just... Nick Clark is on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not in my perfect night. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, you know, just hang out. Relax, low-key kind of thing. You know, I think Dick Clark is actually, they're going to do that thing where he's just going to become a Terry Gilliam animation, where he's just, like, he's going to have the nutcracker mouth, where it's like just, <laughs> you know, just the lower, he kind of moves up and down, sort of like in time yeah. with the words. He's going to be like a speed racer animation or something at this point. I felt it was very depressing. I did watch him last year, and, and I did, it depressed me. Is that on CBS? Uh, no. Tim, is no. it CBS with Dick? Who, what network is Usually Dick Clark Usually he's on, on ABC. Yes, I believe it's that, ABC. That's right, he has a lifelong. Yeah. What's on CBS this holiday? Uh, this Nothing anybody's watching. <laughs> it's a Katie Couric New Year's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that out loud? I mean to be a team player. It's just hard sometimes. Uh. Katie Couric's probably out spending her Christmas bonus. <laughs> Did you? But Sarah, you got your Sarah got a Fred Claus shirt, from though, Les from Les Moonves. This is an insult. <laughs> it's a punishment. You know I'm what it is? Thank that you, shirt, that is, that is the bonus equivalent of leaving four cents for the waitress. Yes, you are I was correct. I at least expecting a Fred Meyer gift card. I just don't think it's too much to ask. Or I'm just a note. Would like you accept a... a little hurt. Just a note. Just look at a Merry Christmas. You know, everyone like pretends to care about each other here. We get all these group emails. Like, <laughs> oh, help my... Bitterness. Would I'm you... just saying, my sister works the front desk at a magazine. She got a $1,000 bonus. And I'm would like, you... I have my this. Fred Claus. Would you, would you accept... Now, Susan went out of her way to find that Fred Claus shirt for you, you know. I'm getting flustered. Would you accept a song from Wing over the phone? We would have to pay $2. Will it pay my cell phone bill? No. Ladies and gentlemen, Susan Reynolds now introduces Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Thank you, Susan Reynolds. This is Tim Riley. She worshiped the devil. Not Susan Reynolds. What? This woman worshipped the devil, not Susan Oh, Reynolds. not Susan Reynolds. No. Thank you. Uh, Michelle Anderson and her boyfriend, Joseph McEnroe, have been charged with six counts of aggravated first-degree murder. Murder? When they killed her family members in Carnation, Washington. Oh. I used to go to camp in Carnation. And camp it's, Gilead. It's Carnation Milk. Was it Death that. Camp? No, it was oh, a I'm sorry. Death, death camp has <laughs> death camp has sort of an unintended meaning there, I guess. No, my yes. parents didn't want to pay for um, any other kind of camp, so they sent us to Baptist camp every uh, summer. You're not Baptist. I know. You're telling me my you're children retarded. are evil, and they tried to save us every night. <laughs> That's like when my Catholic school got so hard up for money, we started taking Lutherans. So, and then like the nuns would beat them; but they wouldn't do the sign of the cross. Oh, <laughs> and Lutherans don't do the sign of the cross. But, of course, we would go to church with, you know, don't get me wrong, I have nothing against Lutherans, but, like, 
It's a Catholic school. And suddenly Lutherans were going to school with us, which is fine with me. But the poor Catholics, my friend Chris, who would kneel at church because they told him to, and then the, the nun would come and make the sign of the cross. He's like, I'm Lutheran. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, so they worshiped the devil, not Lutheran. This woman did. Yeah. And they found out before the devil worshiper and her boyfriend lived with their parents in a trailer on that property, the couple lived in a fall city trailer park. Well, the owner described Michelle Anderson as unstable but docile. Yes, yeah, she cried a lot. <laughs> not unlike a Rottweiler. She cried a lot, but neither she nor her boyfriend seemed to be violent. Well, they tracked state fitness business records to find out that Michelle had a business called Pure Evil Customs. Family members said she was recently removed from the will, worshipped the devil, and talked about killing her dad. Her boyfriend, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Her boyfriend is a clerk at the Target in Issaquah. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but look, the family's dead. Their suffering is over. Um, I can now mock... The mother claims her son is not a monster. Uh -huh. He didn't even like guns. He just dated a girl who cried all the time and worshipped the devil. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And had a business called Pure Evil Customs. And he worked at Target. What? Yes, it's all true. Well, uh, As a matter of fact, the DA says, let me quote here... While most families in the Puget Sound area were preparing to gather for an evening of fellowship... The defendants were preparing for an evening of murder. Okay. Well, uh, you know, Carnation is in Washington, and it's somewhat near Wenatchee, which is the home of... Well, that's where that canned milk is from, Carnation milk. And it's it's also the from home contented of devil-worshipping child sex rings. So, there you go. And Delane. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Now, there's that. That was that, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, by the way, you now have a choice of 47 choices of license plates in the state of Oregon. 47? Yeah. Uh, the new ones include Share the Road, a plate promoting bicycle safety, and more than a dozen others. So you go online, I guess, to the DMV site. And How you... could there possibly be 47 there different are things? 47 plates to choose from. I want a comprehensive list made now. Just go to the uh, website. All right. What's the website? It would be uh, Oregon, let's see, dot .gov and go to the DMV section. Okay. Oh, by the way, just back on the paper towel dispenser for just a moment. First of all, thanks for putting that in my head, because now every time I use the bathroom today, I'm hyper-conscious of touching or, you know, not touching the, the trash can lid as I go to throw away it's my gross. towel. It's gross. I mean, you're you're just defeating the purpose of everything you just put yourself through. <laughs> just covering myself in filth again. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went to the store last night to buy some paper towels, because the paper towel dispenser, it's got to be the 11 by 11 size, not the 11 by 14. Mm -hmm. So I go to the store to buy some paper towels last night just so I can use my exciting new touchless paper towel dispenser from, from the SkyMail catalog. And I bought some brawny towels just to be sort of like wacky. They changed the brawny guy. I don't know when that happened. He used to be like a lumberjack. We have that story. We have, we have that story on the air like a year and a half ago. Really? Is this one of those things we Would talked about and I don't they remember? Except the brawny yeah. guy, yeah. Well, he now, well, sexed him up as sort of a relative. He looks like Putty from Seinfeld. That's what he looks like now. He no longer has the big, like, village people mustache and the knit cap. Now he's just like a big, you know, like a big barrel-chested guy in, like, a red plaid shirt. So, anyway, so they changed the brawny guy at some point. Maybe he's more trusting. I, I, I don't really know. He's still a guy promoting something that I'm going to wipe my hands on, so it's all a little weird. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, Jennifer Anderson has a new man to go with her new nose. He's Sex in the City hunk and Rosario Dawson's ex, Jason Lewis. New nose. He is so hot. Best known for his age-inappropriate boy toy uh, belongings. He uh, Apparently, they hooked up in November, and now the two are practically living together. Wait. Oh, lucky bitch. Wait. Oh, st stop. It's a million things happening. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's stop here. She had a nose job. When, did, when was that? 
I don't know. Okay, I don't really Does care. Does she have one of those deviated septum things, too? I knows not oh, when God. it happened. <laughs> um, and so, okay, so this who is this guy? Who Who is the guy? Jason Lewis. He, he is perfection. Who, okay, I'm going to look at him right he now. You're going to see who my competition he plays, is. He uh, Samantha's uh, love interest, Smith. He's a much younger guy. Can I ask you guys a question right now? Sure. This uh, This uh, question came up uh, in Utah, and I can't remember why. Oh, you know what it is? It's because Laura and I were driving around listening to terrible, terrible Utah radio. And there was, they have a, um, uh, well, I don't want to identify it. They they have a station down there that uh, is the same format as a station uh, in our cluster here. Hold on. Don't, i got to look him up okay. a second. Just, don't just, the, there's a radio station here at CBS Radio Portland. The same format exists in Salt Lake. And we were listening to the Salt Lake equivalent to this format. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to pick on that format, so I won't say what they are. But we were listening, and the DJ was doing some terrible, terrible pre-recorded so-called comedy bit where, like, an edgy sort of alterna girl was listing what she wanted from Santa that year for Christmas. It's just awful. It was, the, like, the worst thing like I've ever stockings heard. stockings and... You know, and it was like, you know, I want a septum piercing, Santa. You know, it was just so bad. Ew. It was awful. But she said that she used the phrase boy toy. And Laura and I got into, not an argument, but a discussion about... Let me ask you this. Tim and Sarah. Yes. The phrase boy toy. Is boy toy, is that a man or a woman? I would think a boy. Tim? Like a guy. I would say a boy. See? Like, I would say that's, that I would reference that as some, as a guy that my girlfriend's probably just using. A sweet young thing. Yeah, that she, that, like, I don't really respect. Laura believes that a boy toy is a girl. She th- and I and I because I think the woman used it incorrectly. The woman on the radio thing used it to, to describe a girl. And well, I said, remember Madonna had that. I think that's where it comes from. It comes from Madonna. See, that's the thing is, I think that's why Laura thinks a boy toy is a girl because Madonna used to wear the thing that said boy toy. And I think Madonna was doing it sort of not ironically, but she it was a willful reinterpretation of it. Mm-hmm. I do believe, yeah, that a boy toy though is like a gigolo. Uh, he's kind of like a young guy that is sort of a booty call kind of guy. So I realize I don't really care, but it was one of those things. I actually wrote it down this morning to talk about, so it's ironic that it came up. Uh, okay, oh, what is this guy's name? Lewis? i got to Google him here. What's his name? Jason Lewis. Jason Lewis. L-E-W? Yep, L-E-W-I-S, and then click on images. All right. And you say he's perfection? He is a beautiful man. All right. Not I'm... the greatest actor in the world, but, oh. All right, hold on. I'm bringing it up right here. He's sort of a, he's sort of a brawny or Carrie Elwes. Well, better looking one. Maybe. He's got a lot of facial hair in this picture. Oh, look really, another one. I don't really care for that. Um, no, mind when Keep going. Okay. Is Ooh. this... The, are you looking at the one on Expose? No, let me... Oh, see. let me see the photo you're looking at. Oh, I was... I see. have to see who this man is that is perfection. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's him. Okay. Uh, that's better than the photo I found. No, he's an attractive man. He's a beautiful man. You guys are looking at that. Can I read the pamphlet on pornography, please? There you go. Actually, I was getting a little scared, Tim. I was reading this, and single people have to be especially watchful that pornography can draw them into the illusion of a relationship, those seemingly innocent dating sites. Through uh, easily. <laughs> and while yeah. porn is still predominantly a male vice, women are becoming increasingly lured by easy Internet access. I didn't think they were that smart, the Catholic Church. That is that I just hot. got a home computer. I'm kind of worried. I am... they be busy homemaking? I might be lured. All kinds of sexy. Oh, um, <laughs> so this guy, who you think is perfection, so he is the ex of who? Rosario Dawson? Mm-hmm. Speaking of perfection. Yeah, they did it for a while. Boy, man, she, you want to talk about a girl that is just smoking hot, is Rosario Dawson. Boy, god damn, is she beautiful. Yeah, they were a very pretty couple. Oh, man, she, I have loved Rosario Dawson ever since I saw her in, um, 
God, what's the first thing I saw her in? He Got Game, the Spike Lee film. She plays Lala, and he got game. Boy, you didn't love her in Kids? Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, my God. No, I was busy being horrified by that film. I, would, I didn't find anything. I, you know, can I tell you this? I didn't love anything in, about, or from the movie Kids. I, I, yeah. That whole movie, I was sitting in my seat going, why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. Why? Can I tell you? Okay, you want to know a creepy thing, Tim? You've seen the movie Kids? No. Really? I've Don't. heard about it. Okay. Let me tell you this about the movie Kids. You want to know creepy, Sarah? When I went to see the movie Kids, you know who I discovered after the film was sitting in the road directly behind me? <laughs> and sort of making weird giggly noises throughout the film? My general manager at the time. I know that's the second weird general manager story in a day, but it's true. Sitting there watching the movie Larry Clark's Kids in the theater, and I hear these weird, like, uh-huh, uh-huh, noises behind me. And after I discovered it was my general manager. That is so creepy. The lights come up, I turn around, and, ah! You know, it's just sort of a, oh, it's just terrifying. Yeah. Um, right. I can't think of anything that I like about that movie. No, it's a terrible film. It's just, it's an awful movie. And, and not even, like, edgily so. Like, it's just... It's a bad movie, in my opinion, and it's all... I don't want to get off into a movie that's like 20 years old, but it's like, it's just it was sort of shock value for its own sake, and there was just nothing really to recommend it. Like, I like dark films. Don't get me wrong. I love a good a dark really good movie. Cast, though. I mean, Chloe Stavini's in it, too. Great cast. Made some careers, definitely. Uh, it's just I didn't find it to be good. I, I found it to be a lot of, like... Again, it was just sort of like shock value for its own sake. I felt like it was sort of just a whole movie where the, the shtick was just to get attention by being disgusting. And horrible, and uh, you know we could order these in bulk for fourteen ninety five. Really? These little pornography things. Put, not, uh, are uh, Asian people more susceptible to pornography because they're showing an Asian couple here, not a white couple? Really? Really? Well, Rick, can I please to be having one of the pamphlets? The Catholic Church is the that is the, the Church of Inclusion, Tim. It's a big tent. I uh, probably steer away from the abortion. What one. do you got here? I got the, uh, are you saved? Your same-sex marriage? You're abundant through stewardship? You're how to forgive the church? I want to know how to forgive the church. All right, there you go. The church and I are fighting right now. Oh, really? I'm sure the pamphlet will help that. I'm sure it's going to give you a fair and reasoned analysis. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. <clears throat> this boy toy business, I think Laura's right. Boy toy is female. Toy boy is male. Now, where is that Where you, Where is that coming from? Where? From where do you draw this information? Well, I think I've read it in some girly magazines before. <laughs> so you're I saying... was his toy boy. He was my... Boy toy or something boy like boy? that. Some teen girl magazine. I want you to write this down, by the way, and mark this date and time as the gayest you will ever sound in your life, sir. <laughs> Just in case anybody should ask, Nobody hey, sir, toy boy. Yeah, when no. did you really sound gay? This yeah, well, I'm not. <laughs> Believe me, I've called in before. I'm uh-huh. not gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither is, uh, neither, is, uh, neither is Larry, what's his name? Yeah, David. right. What's that guy, Larry Craig? Yeah. yeah. All right. right. All right, thank you. Yeah, good luck. All right. I'm not gay. I've never heard anyone say toy boy. No, that's... That just it doesn't make any sense. No. no. You know who says toy boy? That guy? The new, the new brawny paper towel guy. Oh. Uh, and that guy. Hi, you're on like the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, was it Rosario married to that one guy? Yes. No, I don't know. Who? The guy on Sex and the City. No, they dated it, but I don't think they ever got married. Is this uh, is that the guy you're talking about, Sarah? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think they were married, no. Uh, all right, peace out. Thank you. Yeah, no one can marry Rosario Dawson but me. Nobody can marry Jason Lewis. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> See, I'm glad we found a couple we can both agree on. <laughs> well, an ex- well, they're not a couple now, anymore. Now he's with Jennifer Aniston and her new nose. Who I don't I need find, to find a picture of. And I don't find her all that sexy. You know what it is, Joe, about Jennifer Aniston? She's very pretty. She's very cute. I don't find her sexy. She's just kind of too squeaky clean. She's too sort of girl next door. I, Jennifer Aniston is a very pretty girl. 
but I just I don't find Jennifer Aniston to be sexy. Yeah, she's okay. She's I mean she's nice looking to be sure. She's an attractive girl. I, I don't find her to be all that sexy. Rosario Dawson though. She has let me really tell striking you. eyes though. Her eyes are her best feature. Really, and Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Uh, let's see. It's two. Damn, it's two o'clock. Let's break, shall we? Break. We'll come back. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio, Tim Riley, and the Lacey Peterson song. We'll play that in its entirety. Uh, plus, we will endeavor to give away a copy of Kissology, Volume 3. Uh, don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. program. Oh, we got to play the Remembering Lazy thing. Uh, hey, Richie Bristol, let's take caller five right now. We'll try to give away a copy of Kissology Volume 3. Ten hours of live Kiss on DVD, including their entire MTV Unplugged reunion from VH1 Classic Records. I will take caller five here. Uh, try to give away a copy of Kissology Volume 3 here on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now from Film Fever Radio... Dot. Oh. Scott Daly. Hello. Sir. Happy holidays, everybody. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Wasn't expecting to be in today. This is normally Aaron's week, but yeah, he's, uh, he's down in California. Land. Yeah. No, they got a whole Disney fetish. They do. Family. It's really kind of weird. It's, you go to their, which is fine. It is kind no, of it's, but it's just bizarre. I, it's just not my, not my deal. But yeah, you go to that house and it's just filled with Disney stuff. I know. I mean, I'm really? not it, it is. It, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like that, like they're the crazy cat woman or whatever. But I mean, it's, <laughs> but they got, I mean, and it. it uh, see, and I, I run the risk of talking because it sounds like I'm knocking them. I'm really not. I am no one to talk on this on this score because I am a big, overgrown adolescent, as is my wife. Um, we yeah, we're all just we're all just big. You know, we're adult adolescents, all of us. Um, you know, you, you go to Sarah's house and it's Kraft macaroni and the Sex in the City box set, <laughs> uh, and you go to uh, you know my house and it's nothing but Kiss figures. You know, and like Todd McFarlane, Alice Cooper dolls everywhere, right, right. and like rock memorabilia. Right. Your house is probably the same. I mean, Star Wars figures. Totally. And you go to Aaron <laughs> and Jen's, though. And I really do mean it is really honestly sweet, because you do realize that whether uh, it's me, whether it's whoever, that there is kind of somebody for everybody, and, and Jen and Aaron are perfect for each other, because... You go and it's just nothing but like movie and cartoon and geek and Disney stuff everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it really is just glorious. Um, anyway, so the, that's where they went on their honeymoon, I think. They went to Disneyland on their honeymoon, Yep. and that was a year ago about, so now they're at Disneyland for a week for the holidays. Yeah. So anyway, God bless them. So uh, here I am. So, so yeah, here good you times. are. Fantastic. Uh, so well, let's, before we do this kiss thing, I know you reviewed Sweeney Todd last week, but mm-hmm. it was in the middle of the radio play and everything. It was just a chaos. So no offense, I don't remember it at all. I barely remember it either. So, so <laughs> No, last week was crazy. I haven't seen Sweeney Todd or uh, Charlie Wilson's War. I'm going to try to see them both this Wilson's weekend. War, yeah. The week was just kind of crazy. Yeah. And my wife has been working these like 16-hour shifts. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like no you know, time for anything. So I'm going to try to see Charlie Wilson's War tomorrow and Sweeney Todd on Sunday. But you have seen Sweeney no, Todd. We, 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 we reviewed it last week on our last week's show. Aaron reviewed it, and essentially, I mean, you know, it's it's what you expect Sweeney Todd to be directed, brought to you by Tim Burton. Steven Sondheim, Tim Burton put the film together on screen, um, and it's just a, a beautiful, gory, dark masterpiece. And Helena Bottom Carter, I hear, uh, is fantastic. And they all sing, right? They all sing. Is it their real voices, yeah. or is it a thing where they're like lip syncing? No, it's, it's, their, it's their real voices. Uh, Johnny Depp did not want to take voice lessons, right? and it really kind of works because... It's 
because their characters are so demented and a little twisted, right. they can't really, the, the singing isn't perfect. Right. You know, it's not, uh, it's not Moulin Rouge type singing. Right. Uh, but, but it really works because it fits in with their characters. Excellent. And Alan Rickman. Oh. Well, he's fantastic. Alan so Rickman great. is a genius at everything he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, fantastic. Well, I'm going to so. try to see that this week. I mean, I love, you know, even a bad, I was going to say even a bad Tim Burton film is good, but that's not true. Uh, Planet of the Apes. You know, yeah, that's true. You know what he's doing next? Uh, uh, wait, Sarah told me this. Wait, do we yeah. want to do, do a geek watch? Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Sarah told me this. I was we so haven't excited. About I had to hold it in. I, I was going to blurt it out at the beginning of this Perfect. Off. All right, let's, let's roll it. Oh, no, it's right. You, no, yeah, it, you know exactly what we're talking about. In the Queen's Arts remember, you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. I'm going to watch Galaxy Quest this week. I was just thinking it's not going to do. Um, all right. Uh, by way of a preface, before we reveal this new Tim Burton project and before we do the Kiss giveaway, um, I remember when they announced that Tim Burton and Johnny Depp were doing uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the geek world kind of breathed a sigh of relief because it was like the perfect director. Like no one else would have been right. Right. And we all kind of went... Thank God. Like, it's the perfect marriage of material and director. This, this is this the is, greatest thing I've ever this heard. This is even better. Unbelievably, this is probably the ultimate project it for really, Tim Burton. It really is. Scott no, Daly, oh, 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 Sarah, Sarah, do you oh, want to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. unveil it? Because I love that Sarah's excited about a film. I have I'm the, excited. I actually sold the story up, actually. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Director Tim Burton... will helm a new film adaptation of Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventure in Wonderland. How oh. great is that? That is the best thing it ever. Is, I mean, you talk about a guy oh. that is so suited. It's, I mean, that's it's like brilliant. I can't wait to see how his head puts so, it together. So, who's going to be Alice? I mean, it's like Brosnan playing Bond. It was just meant to be. Meant to you know be, what I mean? Yeah. It was just. It, 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 there's no alternative. You couldn't. Well, you know that Johnny Depp's going to be the Mad Hatter. Oh, <laughs> he has <laughs> totally. To be. He has yeah, to be. I mean, there's just no way around Who are the that. Ladies that he likes. He loves Helen and Bottom Carter. Winona Ryder. Winona Alice Ryder is... and Johnny Depp back together again? Well, that would be a good marketing angle. She's might be a little, little old for the old role, role yeah. because Alice is a young girl. She's like 11. It's true, but maybe Tim Burton will do his own adaptation. No, I'd like to see Tim Burton pull an unknown for Alice. Yeah, I, it's it might, it's interesting. You know, like I said, there's the real-life Alice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice Litton, I think her name was, was 11 years old, and so I think Alice in the book is 11. But, boy, that's just going to be... It's, uh, I mean, You know, you know uh, who would be a great Queen of Hearts? No. Maggie Smith. Oh, do yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, I can boy, or, that's just... or um um Oh, who played who played the Queen? Um Helen Mirren. Yeah, I could say it's just yeah, every and you know that everything is gonna have that great Tim Burton look where it's all stripey. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole mm-hmm. bunch of like black and oh, white stripes on so swirly great. stripes on okay, everything. So filming is set to begin early two thousand eight. Burton will work from a script by Linda Wolverton, uh, who wrote Beauty and the Beast. Excellent. Oh, the Blue, Beauty and the Beast, the TV yeah, show the or the movie? Disney movie or the TV know, just show? Beauty and the Beast. Ah, uh, because hmm. the TV show was actually, I mean, the movie was good, but I mean, the, you know, the, the animated film uh, and then the TV series was excellent as well. I love so the that's TV a, series. That's a win-win situation right now. No, there. that's just fantastic. And, and with Elfman's score over the Oh, film, of course, of course. I mean, it's like beautiful. Danny Elfman, Tim Burton, and Alice in Wonderland. I mean, it's uh, perfect. It's flawless. Oh, yeah. Genius. That's genius. There's your... Uh, when, is, when does the filming start, Sarah? Sarah? Uh, early 2008. Uh, she said she did... Mm-hmm. The making of Beauty and the Beast. I, I guess it's TV. Okay, well that, that, that bodes well though. That yeah. was a great series. It really was. 
Excellent. Fantastic. That is Here's your very exciting. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. It's fantastic. Darn, um, MDB is not coming out until 2010. Well, yeah. what can you do? I mean, you figure everybody's got, you know, the projects and the works anyway. Oh, yeah. so. But, I mean, I'll, that's fine. I'll wait. I'll yeah, wait for oh. that. I, I, mean, it, I remember uh, waiting years for Charlie and Chocolate Factory. I'm sorry, let me just take that back. It was the movie. That's all. Okay, she did Beauty and the Beast, the film. She well, the movie, I mean, and she also wrote fine. The Lion King. Well, no one can knock. Hey. I mean, you know, those are fine films. No one can Disney. knock that. As much as I'm not a Disney fan, no one can knock those well, films. Disney and their past glory they haven't seen since. That's so, true. Is not? this going to be a Disney film, do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, it actually says uh, Burton Walsh produced the adaptation, which will use both live action and performance capture animation. Ooh. Oh, that's oh, like oh, the oh, Gollum oh, oh. animation. Yeah. Oh, sweet. All right. Uh, let's see if we can do this kiss giveaway here. Hold on. Creepy. Uh, that whole thing is creepy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yeah. Yes, it is. Hello, <laughs> sir. Yes. Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, real quickly, uh, what was, I never saw Finding Neverland, but that was about, obviously, that was a, a, a real-life story about the guy who wrote Peter Pan, correct. correct? Correct. You know what nobody has ever done? Nobody has ever done, to my knowledge, a movie that is about the real-life story behind Alice in Wonder about Lewis Carroll. And how he sort of had this kind of weird fatherly relationship with this this girl Alice, and how he wrote the whole thing for her. That would be very and, interesting. And because Lewis Carroll has been really, um, I don't want to get up into a thing, but Lewis Carroll has, in my opinion, been kind of unfairly demonized over the years because he's been sort of retrospectively painted as like this kind of quasi pedophile, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, which is really no historical basis for this. It's just one of those things that they, he wrote. He wrote the story for this young girl and spent a lot of time hanging out with her, and so everybody kind of assumed that he was a pedophile. Well, they, kind of like that with uh, with uh, Barry, the the guy who wrote Peter Pan. They, they assumed Neverland. he had a thing for young boys. Yeah. And really, you know, and there's just no historical basis for that. It was quite good, though, Finding Neverland. Was really, I got to really see good. that. Uh, Johnny Depp was great, and the kid who played his inspiration, Peter, Freddie Highmore, was very good. I think my wife said that she just cried like a baby. Oh, it's a very was just, touching film. Yeah. Uh, all right, hello, uh, Caller 5, are you a Kiss fan? Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, here's the deal. You're going to get a chance to win... Uh, uh, Kissology Volume 3, more than 10 hours of live Kiss on DVD, including their entire uh, VH1, I'm sorry, their entire MTV Unplugged reunion show from VH1 uh, Classic Records. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a Kiss song done in a different style. You'll get 20 seconds of music and then 10 seconds of thinking time. Okay. If you can identify the song, uh, you will win Kissology Volume 3. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right, let's see here. All right, uh, this is 20 seconds of Kiss. Done in a different style. I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear it. 20 seconds of kiss, followed by 10 seconds of thinking. Here you go. I really love you, baby. I love what you got. Let's get together, we can. Again, hot. No more tomorrow, baby. Time is today. Girl, I can make you feel okay. All right, sir. Do you know that Kiss song? It's one of my from one of my favorite albums. Look at that. He's okay. playing it already. Okay, sorry. Sorry, player. All right, <laughs> show off. Did you? Where did you? Where did you get that from? Just like on your iPod or something? Where did you get that? From? I did. Excellent. So you not only knew the song, you knew it quickly enough that you had time to go dig up the song on your iPod and play it back to be a wise ass. It's 
Oh, it's sitting here right next to my embroidered Kiss Army patch from Excellent. 1976. God bless you, sir. Congratulations. A true fan. You All right. deserve this DVD, sir. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, we're going to put you on hold. Riggio, get your information. You have won Kissology Volume 3 from VH1 Classic Records. Sweet. Rock right. on. Thank you. Happy New Year, sir. There you go. It's always so much better when a true fan wins these things. Well, and like the last two people who tried were not Kiss fans, but were playing for someone who was. You know, I'm playing for my brother who loves Kiss. And then, of course, they would fail. And then it was all sad. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. hey, I got something for you. Is it bigger than a baby's arm? It's 40 bucks. The remainder balance on my couch. Oh, Scott Daly bought my couch. Thanks. Awesome. It's in my apartment. Well, and it's funny because I gave you the money when I picked it up last week. And I didn't have And it. I got home, it's like, why do I have 40 extra dollars yeah. in my pocket? Rick. So, uh, so yes. Scott came by and, uh, yeah, and bought the couch. So my living room is now free of, of, of the extraneous couch, which means I can get my carpets clean to get rid of this hideous blueberry stain <laughs> from my dog yacking a bunch of blueberries on the floor. Too, it's Why are you feeding your dog blueberries? I... <laughs> feeding is sort of a broad term for what happens there. You need to learn... Well, you know what? I know this. I'm like, you need to keep things out of the way. But... I thought they were. <laughs> no, me too. Muppet got another one of my bras. He's... He chews... <laughs> like, I like your bras? He, he chews through the straps. I was so furious because I make sure to, like, put it on the highest ledge. And some reason, miraculously, in the middle of the night, he got it, and I saw it laying on the ground. I'm like, no, uh, no, 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 no. And I look, pick it up, and it's just in, like, destroyed pieces. Well, yeah. No, it's anything that kind of some like that has your, like, smell or whatever on it because it's like he's chewed through Lara's, um, the earpieces on her eyeglasses. Oh. Mother um, did that, too, to mine. Her in-ear, like, earbud things for her iPod he chewed right through. <laughs> I mean, and, and then, but it's just, but there's no rhyme or reason. And then, like, a, like a whole like tub of blueberries, <laughs> he somehow pulled down, ate, and then was sick on the carpet. And we came home, and it's already like there. And I couldn't get the carpet clean because the goddamn couch was on it. <laughs> well, the couch really ties my room together. So does it? I, I love it. It's great. And it's relatively free of poodle hair. It's free of poodle hair. It's a good size. It's very comfortable. It's, I kind I of miss that sofa. It. Actually, it's yeah. gone, and I sort of miss it. Aw. Uh, well, you can come and visit anytime you like. Uh, all right, blueberries for you. Come over to your exciting <laughs> bachelor pad and keep you company. Uh, we can watch movies and play Xbox. <laughs> wow. All right, let's I'm take a break. Uh, I'll be back after this with uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, and the worst song you've ever heard. Uh, you stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson radio program. I love this bed. Oh, I like this bed. This is, um, uh, what's her name? From American Idol, actually. Fantasia. Oh. This oh. is actually, I I know, which is why I don't come on and go, here's some more Fantasia. But I mean, she's incidental to the whole process. It swings. I mean, you know that they had the record done, like, and ready before she was even chosen to sing on it. But how great is this? How great is the track, though? This got, is really nice. Yeah. Uh,. Buzz is here. It's 503-733-2970. Scott Daly is here. More from Tim Riley in a moment. See, I'm going to hear that little horn uh, that little horn break one more time here before we do the uh, remembering lazy thing. Right there. This reminds me of something that Kanye West would do or Jay-Z. Yeah, no, it's the production on this is great. And she's irrelevant to the song. It's the production is fantastic. Insert American Idol winner here. No, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> like they were standing by in the studio, just waiting for the winner to be sent to them. The track's already completed. Yeah. Uh, but you're right; it does have that kind of Kanye West feel to it. Mm. Uh, this does not have any kind of feel to it, except for a feeling of "Please God, help me." Uh, this is John Strand, uh, and we'll play this right into Tim's news. This is John Strand with "Remembering Lacey." 
How her smile would make you smile Remembering Lacey How she loved there's no denial Now the angels hold her gently And little Connor's with her too And she smiles and says we're alright And we send our love to you So full of life and happiness was pretty Lacey's life. With little Connor on the way, just made things seem so right. Still the two of them together, from the start to end. Is this a duet with Wing? <laughs> yeah, the guy's a regular Brian Wilson. says, we love you to the one she's loved before. And I don't think you can say her life was so full of life. I don't think that works. There's the many things that, that don't work. Make flowers bloom on earth <laughs> in heaven too. And little Connor runs and picks them. Mama, these for you. Oh, <laughs> the angels are preparing special tributes from afar. <laughs> the look on Tim's face is indescribable. <laughs> the heavens. Tastes like he smells something bad. Like you've been served a rat sandwich. <laughs> It's almost over. Big finish. Remembering Lacey. Or not. How her smile would make you smile. Remembering Lacey. How she loved, there's no denial. Now the angels hold her gently. And little Connor's with her too. Connor. And she smiles and says, we're all right. And we send our love to you. And we send our love to you. This week's Lifetime Movie. <laughs> he just wanted some shoes. Oh, my God. Oh, that was creepy. Can you rewind it like 10 seconds? Um, yes, hold on a second. Was it Connor? <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> I am looking for little Connor. I'm sorry, that was wrong. I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done that. You're going to go to hell like that woman from Washington who worshipped the devil. Uh, wait, what hold on. Uh, dogs? No, that's what? Klamath Falls. No, that's, you're getting them. You're Those getting people them don't go to hell. They're in Klamath. That's punishment enough. There. Uh, okay, let me get to the, uh, the end here. <sighs> Boy, howdy. Um, We're all right. All right, everyone be quiet. And we send our love to you. We love you. (laughs) Jesus, I'm outside your window. Here's Tim Riley, kids. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I'm going to have nightmares. Don't be that. I like your skin. Your hair looks very nice. I'm calling from prison. <laughs> Who did that? Was that Cord? That was Cord. I don't have a radio. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's our end of show clip. That's really something, isn't it? <laughs> I believe he's throwing Tim off his news wagon. <laughs> Jesus. Well, there's a break of the writer's strike. <laughs>
Oh, good. Uh, David Letterman's company, Worldwide Pants, has reached a deal with the WGA. He'll resume production next week of The Late Show on uh, CBS with his full team of writers. On CBS? On uh, CBS. CBS. How, how can they do that? I don't because he that. owns his own he company. He owns his own company. That's the oh. thing. That's why Letterman can do it, because he owns right. Worldwide Pants is his company. Right. He owns the show, so he is not beholden to the studios. He can make his own deal. And so also the Late Late, late Show with uh, Craig, Craig Ferguson, Ferguson, whoever right. that is. That guy's funny. He is funny. Craig like Ferguson. Ferguson. I don't watch it a lot, no. but when I watch it, he's good. Craig Ferguson is really good. He, I think, also... And some other people own the show. I don't okay. think it's owned by the network. Sorry, it's better than one of those mop infomercials. If totally. I no, Craig Ferguson's pretty good. Uh, yeah, but the guys who own their own... But see, what I wonder is, how are John Stewart and Stephen Colbert doing it? Because they're coming back on January 7th, I think, or January 2nd. They're doing it without writers, though. But are they just going to do all of their own? They're going to do yeah. it all themselves? Which, 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 which you know. but doesn't, isn't that crossing the lines, though? Isn't that cross, isn't that cross the picket line? And see, that's my thing, is I wonder, it's weird, because John Stewart is himself a member of the Writers Guild. So is Colbert. And I, and it's a hard decision to make, I understand, because I know there's, what they would say is that there's 10 writers on strike, but that they've got a crew of 70 people who are also unemployed, and they're trying to keep the crew employed. So I, you know, I'm in no position to tell them what to do. It's tricky, though, because, like, a lot, here's the, here's the other thing I wonder, with Letterman and Ferguson coming back, a ton of their guests are members of the Writers Guild. And yeah. so you got to wonder if you're going like, to get a lot of guests who are like, right. hey, so I, I won't cross the picket line. Yeah, like I can't come on the show as a guest because I, I won't cross the line. But the guest material is written. Well, no, but I'm just saying as principle, though. In other words, so if, okay. da if David Letterman wants to have Brad Pitt on or whoever, you know, some guy... Brad Pitt or whoever might say, if he wants to have Steve Carell on, okay, Steve sense. Carell might say, look, I'm not going to come on your show because I'm staying off television shows until the, until the strike is over. So the guests might not even come on. Interesting. So, it, I mean, I'll watch on CBS because it's, uh, I mean, because I like Letterman and I want to see how he does it, but also just because it'll be kind of an interesting train wreck. To and it's part of the CBS family. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. They care about us. Yes. They love you. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tim. Walmart is saying so long to movie downloads. The company has shuttered its online movie downloads. Who knew it? They had it, really. Who was renting? Like anybody who shops at Walmart is suddenly embracing new technology for their films. I was at Walmart the other day. Why? Because it's the only big store in St. Helens where I can get my toilet paper. It hasn't been flooded. A dude wearing a T-shirt. Bros before hose. He was so proud, <laughs> oh walking around with his, it off. with his mom and her little scooter. With his mom. <laughs> Seriously. She and was, yeah, and that was the mayor of St. Helens. He <laughs> <laughs> was riding a rascal. Oh, <laughs> and that man was city councilman. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. It's creepy. Yeah, I wonderful. All right. Sorry. Go Thanks, ahead, Tim. I'm sorry, Tim. Go ahead. No, I'm about done. <laughs> Favor us with one more story, won't you? Well, all right. Okay. <laughs> Hello Kitty products will target fashionable young males. These products will include watches, T-shirts, and bags. No. These are cuddly <laughs> wet little kittens from uh, some uh, Japanese people. Uh, usually seen on toys and jewelry for girls and young women. They'll soon uh, be on boys' T-shirts, bags, watches, and other products targeting young men. We think Hello Kitty is accepted by young men as a design statement in fashion, say the Japanese. 
Um, it's not going to work. They haven't been right since the VCR went away. <laughs> no one's heard from the Japanese since that, those times. Just desperately grasping on their Hello Kitties. Something. Um, I have to tell you this. We got the uh, Xbox 360 uh, in my house, and so it only comes with one controller. That's another one of those give you the razor, sell you the blades things. So you have to yeah. buy a second controller because Laura and I are playing this uh, this. Star Wars game, which is actually really great. I love that game. So I go to my second controller, and she has, there's a guy friend of hers who comes over to the house a lot, uh, and he is a big Xbox fan, too. And so she, when I was going out, she's like, hey, while you're out, pick up, she's like, stop by the store, pick up a second Xbox controller. She's like, we can play the Star Wars game together. I'm like, yeah, best wife ever. So wow. she then, I'm at the store, and she called me, though, and she stipulated that the second controller, if they had one, and of course they did, had to be bright pink. Because just because she's like she's like yeah when what's his name comes over to play video games I'm gonna make him use the pink one for a psychological edge. <laughs> she's already talking about sticking but like putting Hello Kitty stuff all over it. So when this guy comes over to play like Tony Hawk's Skate Pro or whatever, she, that he has to like sit there with a pink controller covered in Hello Kitty things or so, Madden football. Pretty pretty right. <laughs> you know yeah. I'm looking. Remember we were talking a long time ago about the license plates. Yeah. The share the road license plates bitching. Is it? Look at that. Hey, that's pretty great. That is pretty cool. It's a great cool. gift idea. There are 47 different ones to choose from. Now, where does, does the money just go to the state, no, or does it go to a to children? Does it go to a... So it says $10 uh, for a two-year period, children. and the additional fees go to the Bicycle Transportation Alliance and Cycle Oregon. Okay. That's not too bad. I might actually do that. All right. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest newsman in the history of the world. Sorry to throw you off. Tim. Tim. All right. Wait, we need all. to get square and round dancers license plates. What? They have a square dancer license plate. What is a round dancer? And anyone can get a square or round dancer license plate. What is round, round dancing? I don't know. Tim? Ring around the rosy? I don't participate in social activities. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We ought to get a license plate for the show since everybody else is getting it. We ought to demand a Rick oh, yeah. Emerson license plate. All right, Tim Riley back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through life. Yeah. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yeah, hi, Rick. Yeah, I tried download, downloading one of those movies from uh, Walmart. It didn't work out too well, though. Is this leading up to a punchline? Yeah, it was all in Chinese. <laughs> okay. And by the way, you're all going to hell. For laughing at Lacey. Oh, like you weren't laughing. Oh, come on. Sorry. I, I'm going to hell, too, because I was laughing. Well, there you go. So, uh, aisle seat, please. Yeah, take me out Lacey style, will you? Oh, no. Way. Really? Bad. That's Come on, Tom. Bad form. Bye. Bye That's in Oh, bye now. Terrible. Love you. Uh, All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around. Saturdays, 9 to 11. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? I am dandy. What's up in your world? Well, actually, we're kind of excited. It's the last show of 2007 for us. You'll have a few more, obviously, with the week to go. Yes. But kind of excited. It's uh, It's been a, a great year. We've always been appreciative. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again without Rick Emerson. There would be uh, nothing for me to do on Saturday morning besides just talking to Amir like I have a radio show, but I actually got lucky enough to get one. So. Well, excellent. And so is there big happenings tomorrow? Well, not really. We're just going to recap the things that we think were the best, uh, kind of really look forward and kind of pre-sell 2008. The coolest thing about 2008 is I'm actually going to get $20,000 worth of tools to give away on the program throughout the year. Jeez. And the best, it's kind of like, to give it into perspective, it would be like if every year, and I heard the conversation earlier, it would be like if every week I got to give away, say, Kiss and Star Wars figurines and $20,000 worth of them at 1979 prices. So it's kind of like I can, I, I will get to give this stuff away every week. So it'd be nice. Listeners will get to get you know box sets, wrenches, and, and is that starting? That's starting next year or it's starting in the new next year, year in two thousand eight. Right. So we got a lot of little new segments part of the program stuff. Calendars for whether you're a Harley guy or a sport bike guy, you're a hot rod guy. A lot of cool new stuff coming up on the program for two thousand eight. Well, 
I'm just gonna I'm say sorry. I have a car question. I, actually, I need to correct him about his his uh, his grammar earlier. It's not Star Wars figurines. They're collectible. It's Star Wars action figures. Or collectibles. Or collectibles. Just so you know, I threw my Millennium Falcon several times off the roof. Just so uh-huh. you know. Hey, let me ask you this. <sighs> Uh, I got the uh, I got this uh, letter from uh, from the, the the place that sold me my car. Yeah. Uh, you know everybody knows who they are, but I uh, you know uh, they got a thing in the mail saying uh, blah da blah your warranty's about to expire blah da blah uh, you know call this number to re up for a new bumper to bumper like extended warranty yes or no? How long do you plan on keeping the car? Forever. Uh, you, it's, you, you know what it's it's uh, I I busted my ass to pay it off. Because I don't want to be I, it, working in radio. I don't want to owe anybody money. Well, yeah, you, cause you yeah, you shouldn't have paid it off that quick. You I, must no. have made like a whole bunch of extra payments and whatnot. Uh, you know what? It's it, I. It, I'm not trying to be like all like rags to riches. You know, David Copperfield guy. No, not David Copperfield. <laughs> David, what am I saying? That would have made that would have been, made the loan <laughs> disappear. Aha! My car is gone. <laughs> no, aha! <laughs> I'm being accused of rape. <laughs> um, hey, whatever. But I just you know. But my whole thing. I. It's the first car I ever bought new, and I don't. Owing money to people when you work in radio is terrifying. So I just put everything I had into getting it paid off. Like, shall we eat this month? No, we're paying off the car. Um, but it, so it's paid off. But I got the thing saying like, your your warranty is up. Uh, do, do you want to you call this number to pay for a new bumper to bumper warranty for the car? And I don't plan on getting rid of it until it falls apart. Okay. Well, a you good for you for paying off your. I'm not that whole. I need a new car every three years because I'm an American moron. I don't. I'm to keep the car hey, forever. Hey, 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 hey I love hey. those morons. No, no, no. I'm just saying some guys <laughs> have their whole. Soon. The car industry is invested in. The car industry is is hinged upon selling you a new car every like three four years. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to get a supplemental car, if you need a car for some different purpose, fine. But buying a new car, like just because you want one every three years, not my deal. I have. I also so, have a question along those same lines. With the heavy rainfall we've had in the last few days, uh, my sunroof for somewhere in my door frame has developed this leak, and it's really annoying the crap. I'm going to take it the next week to get it looked at. Uh, it's an 05 Saturn Ion. It's got 68,000 miles on it. I drive it like crazy. What is a good time frame to either think, should I invest money to fix the leak, or should I just get a new car? Um, well... Because the warranty expired 30,000 miles ago. If I put my, my car salesman hat on, i say, well, Mr. Daly, well, I think yes. you should run on down to the dealership and go Dally. heavily into debt. Um, just, uh, you know what it is, I would say just get it fixed and drive it if it does what you need it to do. As okay. far as answering your question, Ray, yeah. I think, I honestly, if you're going to drive the car forever, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I can't imagine anything has, what is that, 10,000 miles on it, if that? Uh, it's actually got a lot. It's got like 35 because my wife has taken it uh, a long, long, like statewide. Like she drove it to New Mexico. Oh, okay. You well, know. you know what? I would probably buy it because you think of it this way. Uh, the little automated transmission in your Ford would probably be about anywhere from nine to $1,200 to replace. Right. The warranty itself you might buy for another three or four years yeah. might be sixteen or $1,800 in itself. Right. Much better to have that down the road if the transmission and the brakes and the this and the that and Weaking. the air conditioning, whatever might break, breaks. Warranties are good things. Some people say they're ripoffs. I think no, and great. it's and you know and it's again and I actually I don't mean to sound like I'm knocking by a new you know like a new vehicle. We actually are going to be buying in the new year. Uh, we're going to be buying a new truck, so we're going to replace our Forerunner uh, with something. But my deal is once I once I own something and it's paid off, 
uh, you know, like that. I, I keep it until I absolutely have to get something else. Oh, I'm right there with you. I have I have forty thousand dollars worth of motorcycles in my garage gathering dust. Why? Because there is no way in hell I will ever get rid of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if they're just sitting there doing nothing. I go out, I sit on them, I pretend to ride them in the garage on their stands. <laughs> do you make roar roar noises to yourself too? Uh, yes, I do. So, uh, <laughs> Fantastic. I, I I played more with my little remote control Harley that I got for Christmas than my own actual. $30,000. God, we're retards. Yeah, well, also, I had to say this. I got this freshly for you guys so I can... Uh, Is that the Entourage soundtrack? Yes, I can't help it. I geeked out. I got that from a friend of mine. I know you guys would appreciate that. Excellent. But, uh, but uh, no, it's... Uh, honestly, warranties like that, some people think they're rip-offs. I think they're a good idea right. because you done can't done. always pay for the cash when you don't have it. And I don't want to be, like, having to fix a whole, like, transmission thing or where you pay to get it fixed if it just, you know... No, no, you never uh, know. It never. It might never have ever happen. Miles like around. Car. 9 to 11 tomorrow? Yep, 9 to 11 tomorrow, preceded by car and driver, and then... Uh, the Tasty Room with Tom Likas. Excellent. Dennis and Pitsenbarger, ladies and gentlemen. That was my cue as I step on. Ah, just, I, we're getting we're kind of getting up on the break here. So, and I got to have time to play this. You know, I have to be able to play the remembering lazy creepy thing again. So, all righty. All right. Back after this uh, to wrap it all up. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You stay right there. And we send our love to you. George the Cripple is the name of the song. Uh, yeah, that the guys. In, right. The guys in Leadface just dropped off a copy of their new CD. All right, well they got a CD release party. We'll talk about that uh, next year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate guys who do that. <laughs> yeah, next year. Yeah, you exactly. Guys. No guys on New no, Year's Eve terrible. that are leaving at the office on New Year's Eve. See you next year. Oh! <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> There's you always one. I'm not that guy. I'm not. Shut up! I'm smart! Not like you're saying! See, but you, get, you get all these things out because you pretend to disdain them, but then you get to actually say them, which in fact, which in turn makes you the guy. Because you're still doing it, even though you're making fun of it. And reminding other people to do it. Exactly. And that's what she means by doing anything! Ironically. I'm Timmy Ryan! We love you. Alright. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Scott Daly, uh, Film Fever Radio. You guys are doing your Film Fever Radio Awards. We are doing our first annual Film Fever Radio Booyah Awards. That's right. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Is it as cool as it sounds? It is very cool. <laughs> we're, we're even, thanks, Sarah. I love you, Sarah Dillon. Uh huh. I love you, Scott Daly. Yeah, sure. No, we're going to actually we're thinking about we're going to do a Booyah Awards party at the end of January. But what we're doing is we're going to have 10 categories. We're in, we've announced the categories in this, this week's show. Um, and the 10 categories are Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Script, Best Director, Best DP, Best Soundtrack or Score, and Best Trailer. And then Aaron and I will each pick our favorite film of the year, and those will be the Film Fever Booyah Awards. So what we'd like to, from the audience, from listeners of this show, as well as listeners of Film Fever Radio, is to email us the categories for each of those particular, or not the categories, their, the their particular nominees. nominees for those and categories. we'll take the five, five of those uh, nominees and put them in for the film. So Scott at FilmFeverRadio.com or Aaron at FilmFeverRadio. Com. Let us know some of your favorites of the year, and we'll, we'll throw them all together, and we're going to announce the actual nominees in two weeks. Excellent. So, yeah, so it's good times. And we're gonna, cool, so you're going to have like a, a party and then play the movies? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll, we'll play the movies. We'll have a little party, and we'll have, uh, we're getting a trophy designed for them. And we're going to actually send the trophies to the Very studios cool. and to, to the public publicists. Right stuff. on. So, first annual Film Fever Booyah Awards at FilmFeverRadio.com. 
You're like that. You're Send following the, the Nickel Arcade model, the Get Attention Somehow That's model. right. We can't do what we can for kind of laugh. Uh, Filmfeverradio.com and geekinthecity.com. Uh, no time to be fair to another caller, as they say. My apologies to the folks on hold. No uh, no time to get to them here. Uh, like us up next with wide open telephones. Tomorrow, car and driver radio 6 to 9, miles around 9 to 11, the tasting room 11 to 1. And uh, we'll be back on Monday for New Year's Eve. Don't forget Monday, 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 Monday. Are you going to be here Monday, on Tuesday? I don't know the answer to that, actually. Um... I think I might be. I think I probably will come in because I think Lara works New Year's Day anyway. Um, so I think I'll be here. But we'll definitely be here Monday. Don't forget, Monday we're announcing the glorious bastard of the year. Uh, so be listening for that. This email says, Rick, the only thing that could make that song worse is if the guy found a way to, a way to rhyme smile with watery grave. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, we want to thank CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as uh, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Eric Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave Zinn. Imagery uh, and webcasting. Uh, what's it? You know, the, the podcasting. The hey, hey, that's Bridget upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Be safe. We will see you Monday for our big New Year's Eve show. Until then, uh, thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Don't let the bastard grind it down. All that. See you on Monday. Bye now.